Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, political talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Gen- Gen- I can't even talk tonight, folks. <laughs> Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Also, check out the Bards Logic uh, Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Now, tonight, uh, we have a special guest on here. We've had him on before. He's running for Senate, and that is Jeff Jones. But he is going to talk to us tonight about a different topic, something he has uh, been working on uh, at www.1721 today, uh, the kingdom within and transformational empowerment. So we will be uh, talking with him in just a few moments. Uh, So if you'd like to uh, call in tonight, call us at 347 Nine four five seven four two eight. If you'd like to be a part of the show, uh, one of the things we do differently, whether you're listening here uh, live or now in the archives, just to let you know, is that once you call into the show, uh, after of course 
uh, you call in after I do my general interviews of the guests, and then uh, the panelists uh, get their turn, and then we will and do bring in uh, audience members if they like to uh, be a part of the show. And once you call in, uh, you don't get just the five, ten minutes we're on the show. You get to stay on and be, for the remainder of the show, and be a part of our roundtable discussion. Uh, so that's something different uh, that we bring to the table. And just a little uh, look at next week. Next week, we will be having City Councilwoman Amy Murray onto the show. Uh, that's what we're scheduling to have booked on for next week. Now, she has been appointed by Governor John Kasich to be the municipal representative appointed to a task force in Cincinnati. And the task force is to uh, look over community, uh, the task force on community police relations. And we're going to talk about the program, her role in the program, and how this program uh, can be copied throughout the country. And so we will be talking about that uh, next week on the 11th. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this evening, and that is Mr. Jeff Jones. Thank you very much, Jeff, for calling to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you for having me again, and uh, always a treat to be here. Okay, great. And so um, we'll just go ahead and get started so we can get uh, my questions through, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get uh, the panelists on and then uh, audience members if they like. So, Jeff, as I said earlier, you were on the show before when you were running uh, for office. Now, besides uh, 1721 today, what else have you been working on since then? Wow. Um, uh, it, that's really been consuming a, a, a lot of our, our my time because it's uh, it's an overall eight-semester program. So I'm actually in the process of releasing eight books in the next month, uh, actually about the next six to eight weeks. Um, so... So I've been, <laughs> I've really been consuming on this project outside of uh, trying to get my trying to get the word out, you know, to continue to stand and uh, uh, how do I put this? I guess try to inspire um, people to stand for truth. I uh, you know I pastor a church as well, so um, you know that that consumes up a good bit of time. I actually. Um, uh, bought a radio station myself uh, about three, four weeks ago. So I've been working on the, the new radio station, um, the, the Kingdom Within Project, 1721.today, um, you know, filling the pulpit every week, as well as, uh, again, trying to encourage people to take a stand uh, in this uh, turbulent political time. Okay, great. And I do see uh, we already got uh, some callers here on the line, some of the panelists and perhaps some audience members, and uh, we do promise that we will get everyone uh, on the show. Uh, sometimes it uh, will take some time, uh, but we will get everyone on. So uh, thank you for calling in. I do see uh, you out there, Cindy, and also uh, see Kelly as well. And we'll hear from uh, two of our three panelists, and uh, perhaps Dan will be calling later. And then also uh, we see some folks who would like to chime in as well from the audience. But first, let's go ahead and go through uh, these questions here. And then uh, we'll move forward. So on to uh, 1721. Uh, what caused or inspired you to start uh, the kingdom within? Well, it really comes down to a, a simple Greek word, Robert, and the word is ekklesia. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. 
and um, it shows up in the Greek in uh, in the Greek in the New Testament quite a few times, and it was translated church. Um, you know, most of the time in the translations, most scholars understand that the statement means called out assembly, and there's a big difference between called out assembly and what the church has become. And um, I really think the word ecclesia could be applied in the Greek as the word congress. And it is it is about developing a community for the purpose of creating character. And so it, it, it goes a little bit, uh, let me put it this way, it takes on the full form of the initial description of what a, pur- a public servant was supposed to be, a leader was supposed to be. And I had uh, actually been uh, exposed to a, a program about two years ago, and I came in somewhat skeptical and left uh, changed. And um, after experiencing uh, some of this truth, I became friends with the uh, uh, the person that was putting the seminar on, and through that, and I, I just kind of, you know, in the last two years, I've written two books. I ran for U.S. Senate. Um, I believe I created one of those powerful opportunities available in the United States today uh, in regards to mentorship. I survived um, my six-year-old daughter's death. Um, I lost several inches in my waist. Um, I, <laughs> my church is, uh, the church is growing. Um, I've had relationship growth. My preaching, my studies, uh, those have changed. I've inspired um, hundreds of people to do things they didn't think they could do. I bought a radio station and uh, continue to maintain, you know, uh, um, a a happy life. I think that's um, when I look back at these accomplishments over the last two years. This is not a a, a position of, uh, of of being braggadocious. It's a matter of realizing that I I was helped to identify four of my core characteristics, and I've disciplined myself to live those four characteristics every day in my life. And, I mean, I, I'm still learning, and I, I still make mistakes, but I've decided to take all that all that information and, and 30 years of ministry and 30-plus thirty plus years of leadership and put them into a program that made it very palatable and uh, processed. Uh, uh, user-friendly for people to assimilate this information. And uh, those were the those are the key catalysts that made all this happen. So when I think of this term ecclesia, um, it, 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 it's about re-educating our mind. I think we've, I think number one, the, the church has failed in a lot of ways. Um, the, the, the word church has become synonymous with religion and, um, I think that I think that they're not meant to be, and I believe the word ecclesia was not ever meant to be um, what the church has become. And so, and because of that, I think that um, historically they tried to a man has tried to um, wash history and um, with terminology of separation of church and state, and uh, even though there's no law or no constitutional words for it. And that's only because people have made the church a position of power and greed, no difference in the world. And I believe that there are core characteristics in us all, 
that um, that that can be trained and processed into something more powerful. So that's uh, that's the the general outline. So tell us what the uh, the purpose of the organization is. The synopsis. I know it's you know that's it'd be hard to put in there. But go ahead. It's it's an educational support system, Robert. Um, it's designed um, to take advantage of some unique things that are taking place uh, now in regards to um, you know the cost of education, uh, the ability to use um, uh, the many forms of media you know now for education, along with you know what uh, what the internet offers for that. Um, the ability to be, to be a global movement, we've um, we, you know we uh, we've definitely targeted some uh, strategic areas, and that is to you know, just to create leadership principles that are lived on a daily basis to to um, to infiltrate politics, business, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurialism as a whole, management, our education, and our ministries. So it's it's a it's a it's a matter of uh, of training core core leadership principles that we all have, but nobody develops them. They just expect them to be there, and I don't believe that um, most people that become leaders um, should you know I guess have the have the ability to lead. Some of them have some of them have bought their position, um, some of them have uh, taken their position over, and I think uh, I think that if you're a uh, if you make decisions in your life, you have the ability to be a leader. It's just a matter of of what sort of reasoning do you come to develop those choices. And the whole program is is starts with identifying our core characteristics, and then we build them into relationships and take them into uh, uh, life targeting, our community, personal development, and corporate structures. And the, the site, and I was looking over the website that you have, uh, today, and it states that finding the kingdom within is a process. Uh, can you give us a summary of that process? Well, it is a it is a process, and first of all, um, through a series of questioning, Robert, we help we help you identify four of the greatest characteristics that are inside of you, and you probably have more than that. But but it, if you can manage these four. On a daily basis, we believe that your life will be transformed in the most amazing way. Just think, if you could be the greatest, uh, take the four greatest characteristics of, that you have and identify them and then, and then start to use them or exercise them in every decision process, every relationship, every intent, and every purpose, what sort of effect would that have on your overall life? And so that process... Um, you know, first of all, again, there, you know, 1721 is based off of Luke 1721. Um, if you remember the, uh, the, uh, the movie Stigmata, it was based off of Luke 1721, that there was a very deep secret in scripture that would, would possibly destroy the church overall if everybody found out that the kingdom of God was not in a building but within themselves. And so identifying um, the divinity, um, and 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 I, I, I try to keep it um, light on the topic, but I I believe once you make a decision on what what happens at the end of your life, you can make the rest of your life worth living, and then we we develop those those things, and you you and I may have the same 
characteristics, but we identify with them differently. For instance, um, I use four characteristics on a daily basis. Mr. Webster, Mr. Smith, Maurice, and um, all of a sudden, uh, and, and a, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Webster, uh, oh, Mr. Mr. Smith, Mr. Webster, Maurice. Um, uh, either way, we identify. I identify myself. Maurice is my passion. Oh, Donald Duck is my other character. Um, there it is. So I, I was trying to think of that because you told me that before. It's been a long day. Um, my day started off early this morning working on our new radio station, and my station manager had a had a heart attack. And um, oh my gosh, you okay? Yeah. Is he okay? Uh, he's okay. He's in the hospital. You know, they're running some tests. Uh, um, so mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, a definitely a, a twist of a day. I had four counseling sessions um, later on in the afternoon. I had a men's leadership class that I taught, and as soon as that was over, I I, I jumped on the radio. So I I'm, I'm just slowly connecting with the uh, with all the things that I all the hats that I wear. So Donald Donald, Donald Duck, I guess I'll start with, uh, is the character that I use to help me with struggles of life. And um, not that I make fun of things, but um, sometimes we need to take a moment to relax and laugh about uh, some of the things that we become so stressed over. And so it's my it's my de-stressor. Humor is my de-stressor. So I'll utilize that in some circumstances. Um, and I believe it's uh, it helps break the ice for a lot of other people. Maurice is my character that I use for passion, and passion is my drive, and which helps me to do a lot of things. Mr. Webster is um just my value of words and try to try to be specific and a little bit slower to to talk a little bit longer to listen um so that um so I can evaluate uh, a little bit better and then Mr. Smith is based off the character Jimmy uh Jimmy Stewart you know when he went to Washington uh I guess to change the world in all of his innocence and stuck in the middle of corruption um realized that he could still have character and at all risks, so he was willing to move forward despite what the what was going to happen. And so I manage those four characteristics once I've identified them. And, again, it is a process. We, we take 24 weeks in our program. It's the first semester of our program. And um, we take you through an hour and a half uh, a week of, of exchanging information and communication, uh, and then we give you a – basically a six-day homework assignment that's a few minutes a day of things that you can practice to ask questions about yourself, ask questions what other people think of you. I uh, start to identify things you like and things you don't like, and then we get into um, exposing why you like them and why you don't like them, and then to find out that we buried a lot of things that we like because someone told us we'd never be. So, you know, at, at 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, you know, we all have these these what people will call childish dreams and desires but maybe those are real maybe those are really what we like and but because all of the naysayers all the negativity all the people that said you'll never do that you're too fat you're too dumb you're too ugly um you're not smart enough destroys um activity and the realization that when we become a believer um, i believe god moves into us and when he moves into us it creates a an environment of communication and respect um, it creates an appetite, and um, and we're supposed to build upon those things. 
And so in our innocence, I believe that we're better connected probably until, you know, like myself, uh, now that I'm middle-aged, you know, from all the scars and all the things that create doubt and fear and, and uh, you know, we'll never make it and, and loss of vision and skepticism. And we need to destroy those things and, and re-identify um, with our youth, you know. Um, scripturally it says, uh, you know, suffer the little children, or unless you come unto me like a little children, you'll never understand the kingdom. And it's in our innocence um, that get that gets robbed from us, that our desires get destroyed and our dreams get crashed and our visions get blurred. And I'm, I'm just saying that I think that we could accomplish a lot more if those were re-inspired. Well, great. And so when you're, once someone goes through the process and you said there are some weeks involved, and you think of that nature, what's next? What do they move on to after that? Well, after identity, uh, we go, we move into um, uh, we move into what we call relationship, and it's really a, a kind of a two semester process. But the the second uh, semester helps you to integrate your core values into daily responses of relationship. And relationships, a lot of things. It's it's um, you know we've lost value and purpose and relationships because of fads and character shifts and dependencies. And so we can identify who we can be, and then we'll be free to build those relationships. But relationships have a lot of components, love and understanding, respect and compassion, agreement and disagreement. These relationships, they they can become artistic and mathematical, maybe even diplomatic and slightly engineered, but they can also become profitable and purely social. But it, this is the reality of our world, and it's our daily interactions that make up our reactions and even the battles that we live through life, and we think we can change that to living abundantly. So we ask you to take ownership of your divinity and free yourself from your humanity. And um, we have kind of a, a series of things um, that we play with, and and you know, I, I can practice this. We I think I shared a little bit this one, uh, one time with you, you know, but... You know, if if you say the word, you know, if you say the statement, I am happy, right. um, it you know it gives us kind of an excuse. So you know, if you if you mind playing with me a bit, Robert, just say I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. You know, <laughs> we we would struggle with that statement because we know that we're probably lying most of the time about being happy because we're not. We're not happy with relationships. We're not happy with our income. We're not happy with things going on around us. We're not happy where we're at. We're not happy with the time that we don't have. But now say the words, I am happiness. I am happiness. And when you say I am happiness, it takes ownership. I believe one one, descri- one is an adjective that describes our humanity, and the other one is is a is a noun identifier that that describes our divinity. And so we take ownership. And we can do it with a lot of. In fact, we have about 100 and, 150 plus being nouns that we identify with. For instance, you could say I'm adventurous, but what happens when you'd say I am adventure? Oh my goodness, it takes on a takes on a whole new meaning. Adventurous means mm-hmm. almost makes it sound casual and unplanned, and um, and maybe even you know not in everything, but it kind of gives you an excuse. But it's it's a ver- it's a it's an adjective that describes a moment, but when you take on the 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 statement "I am adventure," oh my goodness, that like I want to know well I want to know this person who is who is this Mister Adventure? You know, uh, you know if you mm-hmm. say 
Well, I'm brave. Well, that's great for the moment. But when you take on the statement, I am bravery, now, oh, my goodness, now we've got to embrace that, and we've got to express it, and we've got to live it, and we've got to um, try to identify uh, with it in our relationships. You can go through a handful of words. So so we've identified, you know, 150 of these that we kind of take you through and teach you about and help you to try to start using them in the identity of who you are and identify those in your relationships. So so once, well, we, that's fascinating. once we once we start taking on our identity, uh, for instance, even just simple things like, well, I am kind. Well, that's great because, but but kind makes it kind of almost uh, kind. The word I am kind sometimes takes away or leaves us with the potential that people could think they could take advantage of us. But when you say I am kindness, this is an act of what you are, not what. Uh, what you're what you're in control of rather than things that that you think that you have to be you know i am leadership instead of i'm a leader i'm a, when i say i'm a leader it becomes somewhat braggadocious but when i say i am leadership it takes on character and these are the things that are missing you know in a lot of our lives i can be a friend or i can be friendliness you know i can be i can be trustworthy or i can be trust i can be peaceful i can be peace and there's so many, Robert, I'm not going to bombard this time with it, but we teach you to identify those things, and and when you start identifying them, find something casual you can identify with. So it may be that, you know, you you think that, you know, that you, you, know, you really like taking time for a walk in the woods. So, you know, you might, you might, one of your identities might be uh, facetiously called Yule Gibbons, you know, um, and you know, so we take on these different these different characteristics, and when we simplify them to something that's real to us, it helps us sort through our life. So when we get in a circumstance, what character do we want to show up? Or for instance, <clears throat> what characteristic do I want to display when I walk into this meeting, or I make on this phone call, or or when I when I sit down for dinner with my wife, or I want to ask my children some questions, or um, I'm I'm. I'm taking some time for people or someone I casually meet, you know, in the grocery store. And my identity um, builds a connection, that, un- that unseen thing that happens between us that, um, uh, that are the neuropeptides that change, change a room. When someone walks in with a bad attitude, everyone feels it and experiences. When someone's positive and joyful and, and energetic, they feel that as well. And even though they didn't see anything, something happened. They feel touched. They feel changed. They feel moved. They feel um, they feel empowered. They feel thought of. They feel considerate. Um, there's no condescension, um, and and it breeds an esprit de corps of unity. And I think if we could carry that from us to our home to our relationships, then we strategically implement them into. Um, uh, our daily life, you know, our, our workforce, our work habit, our management skills, our leadership skills, um, and even even possibly, um, you know, boy, I, I, sorry to so, sound so um, utopian, but what an amazing opportunity to change the world person by person. So I, I took you through two Yeah, we're definitely going to. Yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, discuss that and actually in a little bit uh, about that because we have some questions 
kind of pertaining to that. Uh, but first, I do see it's about the uh, bottom of the hour. Before going into the next uh, question, uh, first I want to have us hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Definitely, folks, if you are a Twitter user, check out the hashtag PJNet on Twitter. And, of course, definitely check out the website at www.patriotjournalist.com, which, by its logic, Political Talk is a proud member. And uh, let's go on to the uh, next question I hear here for you. Now, the program definitely uh, is Christian-oriented. Can someone that is not Christian benefit from the process? Absolutely. You know, again, uh, this is not about religion. This is not about um, doctrine. This is about this is about a belief system. In fact, we actually have a uh, a partnered uh, connection um, that's just if you know, like for instance, we do have we do have a corporate structure program where we can actually go into a corporation and um, or or an organization or association that doesn't want to you know certainly uh, uh, feel manipulative to their to their their staff. And we can come in with a, what we call transformational empower, empowerment program. It really is identical. Zig Ziglar was a master at this, at uh, at teaching values without feeling like someone was being, you know, beat up with a Bible. And um, uh, so it's about tearing down some of those walls and defenses. And um, so, like I said, we can do it on 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 both bases without offense. But really, when I I guess when I start to explain, I start to teach people, you know, what um, what faith is. Um, it shouldn't be offensive to anybody, anyways. My my faith uh, allows me to respect other people because it's part of an understanding of relationship. I I uh, I have a series we teach on in the relationship section over the 24 weeks, and it's called the Road Trip to Ecstasyville, and um, it starts with you know, just a communication. And when we teach you the values that you have and you start to live those values, Robert, we don't have to manipulate people to think like us. They'll, You'll find out that people will respect you more when you actually are who you are rather than being somebody you, you portray not to be. You know, um, I've been involved in so many different levels of sales and regional vice presidents of companies and, you know, trained people coast to coast, you know, in regards to, you know, uh, how did I become, you know, the number one sales rep in this particular industry or that, or that position or whatever. And people, you know, people know when you all, your, your whole motive is to get in someone's back pocket. Um, and so they, they shut, they shut down. And so the whole idea, if you focus on building a relationship, I guarantee you won't ever have to worry about income. And so our values, when we start living our values, it changes us. And that's why, again, so if someone, irregardless of your 
of, of your faith or belief system will allow you to think whatever you want to think. I, I'll respect you for what you think, but but I'm going to I'm still going to throw this truth out at everyone that that is built on a on a great platform of principles, and um, uh, I think I think again we can call those ethics, and it doesn't offend so many people. But I'm not worried about offending okay. people. They don't like. And then you have the separate thing. Well, and I was looking at the website, and it, you know, it does uh, have you know scriptures there, and it also uh, it says growing in Christ has never been so easy. Uh, growing in Christ has never been so effective. Things of that nature. Yeah, and and so so again, even even if we look at even if we look at you know, um, let's say we you know we we break that down to you know even in, even into religion, you know. Um, Certainly, if we you know, we can use it, we can use the terminology spelled out as Christ. We could use the term Messiah. We could use the term Redeemer or Deliverer. Um, uh, you know, so many of the world religions are are still based on 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 those same principles. Christ was a Jew, you know, and, and again, it it's not about it's not about labeling, and that's why um, I think if people look at the limits, and that's because. They haven't they haven't experienced the fulfillment, and so the same thing with and certainly uh, you know the the topic of the hour is always Islam, and uh, and and, mm-hmm. and people's concern, um, but for for instance uh, again because I don't we don't express doctrine in, you know in the program we ex, we express uh, principles and philosophies that there shouldn't be anybody offended you know by the teaching even Islam teaches that. That Jesus was a masterful teacher. Um, that that even though they don't use the term, you know, like for instance, you know, the letter J doesn't exist in the Hebrew language, so a lot of people have a problem with the, uh, some of the terminology. Well, if I use the term Yeshua or Isa, uh, we're talking about the same the same person. And even even Islam believes that Isa is coming back one day to to destroy the uh, uh, you know the workings of evil. And uh, and again, I, I'm not talking doctrine, and I know there's doctrinal differences, but there are spiritual truths, you know, that that unite. And not that I'm trying to be ecumenical or or uh, interdenominational in any way. I just believe that um, I, I think that because the Bible's still the number one book ever sold, it's a great resource for knowledge and truth. And uh, I certainly stand with it for my belief system, and I make no no apologies for my. Uh, my beliefs in who Christ right. is and what He did for me—it's—it's it's who He is, not who I am. I—I I can't become righteous myself. It's—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, it's the—it's the gift that He gave me, and people can accept it or reject it, and that's a—that's a simple choice. But the truth doesn't change. Okay. Yeah. And it was just you know just asking if whether the the process itself could could work uh, through it. Not that anyone would be offended by it, but it sounds like you know if you just go by the principles. Uh, you know, the process, uh, even those who may not subscribe to uh, other portions would still be able to benefit. Um, so that's where, you know, at least what, what I was taking, I took from that. Is uh, Now, the title yeah. of tonight's show is Integrating Political and Ministry Leadership with Corporate Integrity. Uh, how does the kingdom within mesh with these, mesh these together? How do they mesh together? Well, they become, the mm-hmm. problem is, is that, that the world has separated them, Robert, and they, and, and, we were told a while, a long time ago, that you know that there was separation of church and state, and 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 the 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 mis the misapplication of it, you know, it's not it, it it's not in any of our law 
laws anywhere in America. It's not in our Constitution. It's not any state law, federal law, or local laws. The term separation of church and state existed in a letter from Thomas Jefferson to a group of people in Danbury, Connecticut, um, called the Danbury Baptist, and they had heard rumor that the United States was looking for some sort of identifiable religion, and the Danbury Baptist Constitution came up as a as a possible link to uh, following. And they said, look, we left government tyranny because of religion. We don't want nothing to do it do with it. So Thomas Jefferson writes a letter, not a law, just writes a letter back to him and says, I can assure you um, that that the government will stay out of the church's business always. I will make sure that we have separation of church and state. And it is not a it's not a matter of how do you separate your being from your decision process, um, like the mm-hmm. like the world thinks it is. And that's why we've bred atheistic, destructive Probably, I think a lot of the things that we're facing today uh, would have changed had we taught the principles that it's okay for you to be you, uh, despite uh, the ugliness that denominationalism has has destroyed in us. And again, because of doctrinal differences, and they think that if you don't think like me, you got to be your enemy. Well, if I have my core mm-hmm. characteristics and identity, it's okay who you are, as long as I know who I am. And if I live who I am, I guarantee you, um, you know. Part of my part of my appetite is not is to break free of the things of of greed and war and lust and uh, and fear. I want to live a I want to live a comfortable life. I don't want to live under under those ugly pretenses that the rest of the world you know struggles and dies and and creates stresses in their life on, you know on, that that are unnecessary. So great. And uh, now you believe that the kingdom of heaven is transformational. What effect do you think uh, this could have on the American politics, uh, specifically our future politicians? Well, what a great question, Robert. And uh, what I Thank really you. believe, what, what, I, what I really believe is that um, uh, if we could, if we could start teaching integrity, we wouldn't have to come up with some of the ridiculous laws that weaken our constitution and that we would actually be voting for people that, that preserve the truth rather than cover and mask it. And when we cover and mask truth, we create um, uh, dissidents, we create uh, depression, um, and you can go through any almost any major city that's depressed today and track that down to an event of cover-up, decay in truth, and, 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 and transition of information. And so... If someone, if someone politically could, you know, uh, we could take someone politically through our program, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's part of our intent to create um, just an independent movement uh, that won't be manipulated and bought out by political powers that are existing. You know, again, I, it's been my statement all along that party politics is the biggest problem that we have in the United States, and it's a lie. And we're seeing some of that today, even now, with all the uh, for all the people that that pushed for conservative efforts and they think that they won, um, you know, there's a lot of enemies being made with each other and lines are being drawn about what people actually believe. But I think people are finally identifying that 40 years of the same process of whether the, whether the left or the right or the Dem or the Republican gets in, whoever wins the, the, the issues stay the same. They don't change because it's all cover up. And I believe if we could teach people to be uh, honest with, with, with higher levels of integrity and that, um, they wouldn't sell themselves to the, you know, to the next Senate seat that's being bought, and we could dismantle 
some of those ugly things that have that have corrupted our political system. That there there would be people that actually stood on the issues of of integrity rather than you know who they're going to pay back for the next four or six years or or forty two years, whatever the case may be, uh, for you know for the you know for what they're looking at. I I I, I, tur- I turned on uh, one of the our cable station last night waiting and I. And I thought I'd start to watch Enemy of the State, and just I watched 20, the first fifteen twenty minutes. I had to turn it off because I thought, my goodness, this movie's probably almost you know twenty years old now, or whatever it is, and fifteen years old. I don't know. And it's like, oh my goodness, it this is so real today of power and and abuse of power, and and if people had levels of integrity, we wouldn't see some of these things happening. And this is what it's all about. Art making life, right? <laughs> or life mimicking art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, the the, you know, again, I, I used the statement before, and you know, John Dewey said that um, you know I will uh, I will turn America into a communist country in in the next fifty years. All I'm going to do is I'm going to concentrate all my time uh, at colleges and universities to train teachers. A new philosophy of thinking, and wow, who who would expect the the head of education to destroy America from within like that? And he was masterful. And now even the, even for me to make the statement, I'm, I'm creating enemies on the spot. But uh, you know, they get mad and they get upset, but because they don't want to look at the reality of things. And uh, um, because certainly, uh, just as much as greed exists in communism, greed exists in our in our capitalistic society, and, and that's why Scripture says the. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, so we can trace, just follow the money, we follow the corruption. And, and so if we create people with integrity, maybe we break that somehow. And so, you know, what, my plan is not to, you know, turn the world in a week, but my goodness, if if um, um, I, have a, I have a marketing system that I'm using called the power of 12, you go through four levels of 12 um, and you, and you, you, uh, you mentor one person a month on that level, you, you influence two thousand people a year, um, one at a time. It's amazing, um, and you're not, and all you're doing is concentrating on training twelve people. It's uh, it's part of some of the things that we teach. If people don't want to just learn the work, but actually become a mentor in it, and that's the that's the whole goal. Is that if you're not if you're not teaching what you believe, you, you forget what you believe, and you let everything go by the wayside because you you forget ninety percent of what you read, you forget eighty percent of what you hear, you forget seventy percent of what you see. But you remember and recall 85% of the things you experience daily, and um, the master of the level of education is to be, you know, is to teach it, and you recall 95% of what you teach. And so, so let's start teaching people to uh, their core identities based on a um, on the God within them. And I just got a couple more questions before I bring in uh, the panelists and then uh, some folks in the audience, and. And when you're talking about, you know, you know, as I said specifically with the future politicians and bringing integrity, uh, you know, back into the system, uh, is that the way that uh, we, the people, can overcome and counteract tyranny? Oh, my goodness. Robert, so many people don't, you know, again, they don't know the word of God and they don't know the, the simplicity of it. But Romans 13.1 tells us that we're supposed to be subject to the higher power. It's been a controversial verse for a lot of people. Some people even think King James himself added that to Scripture. But what a beautiful prophetic event when 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 Paul wrote Romans 1, 
We are the we the people are the higher power. It's not our government. Our government is public service. They're supposed to serve us. And so when we teach truth and we equip them with the power to say, we the people, our constitution is the power of the United States, and we've been suppressed, we've been squelched, and we've been lied to, and our media covers it all up. Yes, this is a, this is a direct way to counteract tyranny, and and live it on an individual basis, you know, rather than the garbage that people are that are that are getting in public education today to tell you know to tell them that the you know the second amendment you know uh you know was, was written for the military no i'm sorry it's very distinct of what it was written for and it's very distinct that we're supposed to have appropriation of funds to you know to even help with it and um so these would change a lot of things and i think if 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 people wouldn't realize that our that our judicial system has washed our constitution down the toilet um every time we create a law we weaken our constitution and we'll be able to stand on the things we actually believe. It will bring balance and order to to our community. Okay, and with that, I just got uh, two more questions uh, for you. And I do want to talk about the uh, uh, the radio station later, because that, of course, piqued my interest in being in the media myself. Um, so how does one get started, your organization? It's very simple. You go to seven, www1721 dot today t o d a y um there's a free uh preview we put up so people can actually take a one week walk through the program and and give it a give it a kickstart um there is no contract with our program you um you sign up uh and when you sign up um there is a there is a cost for the educational process um it's twelve dollars and twenty five cents a week or forty nine dollars a month is how it's billed um the process then uh, uh, you, again you if you if you pay it you continue on with access if you don't pay it you lose your access rights uh, the only unique thing is is that if the change happens in you we believe that you don't have to sell a single thing you just start telling people are going to start asking you my goodness what in the world has changed you're a different person or my goodness you're seeing all this success you're happy there's changes in your life you seem at peace uh, I've had people tell me. Um, that were uh, elected officials, and they were sitting down at dinner tables, and they're saying, "Jeff, um, there's uh, either either you're not taking this this situation seriously because I can't imagine you being so calm. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody as calm as you. And well, when you when you don't have to when you, when you don't have to try to recall all the lies that you told over the last three or four days, it helps you sleep at night and helps you be honest with everybody else with who you are. And so I don't hide who I am. I don't." hide my belief. I just live every day in my beliefs. And um so so that uh, so that helps me through that. I, I, I apologize if I, I, I if I got off question there. Oh no that's okay. No <laughs> need to apologize. As, as you know it's uh you know an organic fluid uh, show. And last question before I bring uh our panelists in what I'll do is I'll bring them in uh in accordance with uh when they uh called into the show. And so what we'll have here is uh, we'll have Kelly first and then we will have Cindy, and then I uh, see you there. Uh, Dan, we'll get you in. And I believe we also have uh, Joe on the line. Uh, so we'll get our friend Joe in as well. But if anyone else that would like to chime in, uh, listen to the show, just give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial, and uh, we'll get you into the show. Or if you just like to call in uh, just to listen here on the line, uh, that's fine as well. Uh, but the last question is, uh, you know, you did run uh, for Senate, uh, correct? 
And will you yes. ever be considering a run for another office again? I'm right on the teeter-totter right now of whether I'm going to run in 2016 for Congress um, in our district, and um, or should I save up my energy and and take on Debbie Stebenow for the U.S. Senate in 2018? And um, I, I I'm going to make my I'm going to make my choice soon. I just uh, I'm, I'm still you know playing without uh, playing it out. I it, it is it is a financially exhausting effort, and because I don't believe I I, I um, you know, I I, I didn't uh, receive any PAC uh, funding. Not not saying that I wouldn't I wouldn't accept it, but I certainly would be very uh, speculative on what and why and how I received uh, funding. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I'm definitely going to run again. This this uh, this appetite in me is not over. And um, again, um, if I, all I get to do is is voice my concerns, I do believe I have some very unique economical. Uh, uh, turnaround programs for um, depressed communities uh, in regards to real estate use, in regards to unemployment, uh, in regards to opportunity of new industry, especially here in Michigan. And uh, so I would like to exercise that at whatever level possible. I, I'm not sure that I can accomplish it at a state level. I just feel at a, at a federal level it would, um, it would create a lot more impact and um, I'd be able, be able to kill two birds at one time, let's say. And, of course, unbeknownst to popular belief and uh, media attention, uh, the unemployment rate here in the United States is not um, as good as they would uh, promote. Uh, our friend uh, Dan can speak on that. Perhaps we'll be able to have some time to speak more on, on some of those things uh, you discussed or we could discuss uh, later on in the show about what we could do on that. Uh, but first, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our friend, Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm beyond excited. Something good happened yesterday. Tell What's all. that? Well, this is kind of a legal thing. It's a legal cool thing. And uh, my friend got ticketed. Uh, no insurance. What they Ticket. Oh, I pulled you over because you're driving too slow, but you didn't ticket for driving too slow. So I, we wrote a letter to the court. The court dismissed the case. And why? Because the code says you can't just pull people over to check for insurance. Hmm, case dismissed. So my friend can now say, um, I saved over $1,000 in 15 minutes to switching to no probable cause. Well, you know, I, 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 um, for that one. Yeah. 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 Good question. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah. So, um, Robert, I, I just got to tease you here. Okay. And your faith is, what is it? It starts with the P. What is your faith? Did I say pagan? <laughs> yeah. So, Breaking, whatever uh, you want to call it. <laughs> yes. Once, once again, you've turned this into Barnes Logic Gospel Hour. And now we shall turn to hymn number 372. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It, just, right. it keeps happening, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's not yeah. because the show's not about... The show's not about me, Kelly. That's why it turns into the, the Gospel Hour. <laughs> so you go ahead, my friend. Yeah. 
I, well, you're you're an inspiration to Christians. Okay, that was a carefully placed thought. All right. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, you you got some interesting thoughts here, Robert. Um, let's see here, judges. Uh, Jeff, what were you saying about judges again? Well, I just think that uh, you know certainly our our judicial system, you know, has washed our constitution and weakened it, and um, so uh, again, you know. I certainly have a lot of respect for people for all the time of all the schooling someone goes through, um, you know, but uh, all we have is order and chaos. And um, so we, everybody, every branch of our government lives a lie. And uh, our judicial system, like I said, has, uh, hasn't, uh, they, they've indirectly attacked our constitution by creating laws. It weakens, weakens our, our point. I think so many things can be resolved. And then they've, you know, Certainly, because of no one has any integrity anymore, you know they, you know, uh, they they force themselves to make decisions based on, uh, uh, you know, on on the resort community in South Carolina. Wow, Cash. you might want to yeah yeah you, yeah you you might want to read uh, the Torah about uh, contempt for judges. Anyway, uh, oh by the way, speaking of Torah, when are we going to have the uh, uh, the Jewish Hour, uh, Robert. Uh, that would be under the purview of Dan, I believe. But that's something we yeah. can uh, ask him about. And if he'd like to do that, of course, you know, I'd be more than open for that. Yeah. Well. Well, Jeff, I, I shared the story about yesterday's victory uh, from a local judge. And all right, here's my bottom line statement about our country. Without our U.S. Supreme Court and the judges, we would have been toast by now. I have We'd seen have over. We would our country would be over toast. We would be done without our judges. I have an affinity for oh, one of my heroes. Well, of course, there's um, William L. Douglas. Um, Justice Scalia now has done some amazing things. He's a, a, a legal genius. Um, we go back to. Um, yeah, I don't know how many judge, good judges can I tell you about? They're just they're, they're they're stunning. Without our judicial system, our country would be in the we'd be done. Absolutely. And I I wish to to show no contempt for the judicial branch, although Congress keeps trying to tie their hands, and the executive branch does whatever the hell they want, even though the judges say no, you don't do this. Um, I, I just I, I I revere the judicial system here. I mean, it's not worship, but it's it's you know, we we have <laughs> you know, but it, it's it's we we have much to thank for the judges, especially because when you learn their life, they have an awful lonely life, and they're freaking working all the time. It's unbelievable what they do as a service to our our country. Yeah, you get a rogue judge every now and then will do political activism, and sometimes you have good judges like Miranda versus Arizona. There is no legislation for your Miranda rights, none. They did political activism in the positive. So that was one thing. Okay, John Dewey. Not sure which John Dewey you're talking about. Was it John Dewey who um, became governor of New York? He was an honorable, good man. Um, He was a Republican candidate and a very good guy. Or the John Dewey from the Dewey Decimal System that was a socialist. Yeah, John Dewey from the Dewey Decimal System. Okay, yeah, socialist, socialist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's another interesting verse from Scripture. You know, because we, 
you know, my faith is I'm a dear little child um, of the Creator, which, you know, through Christ, all that stuff. Um, I don't mean I don't mean to say stuff because it's extremely important. But right. when you understand your value and who you are and that God wants to keep elevating you even though we blunder and fail and make stupid choices and he's like, yeah, I was waiting for you. Okay, now you're ready to listen. So we, we grow, we mature, we become amazing when we let him help us. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. Now, this is absolutely a fascinating verse in Scripture. It's the pool of Shalom. Every, supposedly, according to tradition, every morning an angel would show up through the water. She'd put your, put your uh, foot in the water, you get healed. There was a guy there for like, what, seven years? Right, no one to put him in. Yeah, so uh, Jesus walked up to him, and he was, he was a cripple, couldn't walk. And Jesus hit him with a question. This is a stunning question. Do you want to be healed? Like, wait, 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 wait. You claim to be God, and you're asking this guy if he wants to be healed? Of course he wants to be healed. No, that wasn't really the question. The question was, do you want self-pity? Or do you want to move forward with life and be positive and grow? And, of course, the man responded, Oh, sir, there's no one here to help me into the pool. Another's going to be for me. Oh, pity for me. That's the other spectrum of our attitude. Right. And Christ nailed it perfectly by saying, do you want to be healed or do you want the self-pity you get every day from people? Right. It's, it's stunning. So when people realize that they sometimes get in the self-pity mode and somehow they overcome it, they can start to realize I can be more, I can do more, I can have more, I can love more, I can have more friends. Life is awesome. But some people are stuck in that self pity mode. That that's fantastic, Kelly. What a what a perfect thing to bring out. Well, let's it's continue easy. some of your thoughts on this. On this, how do we how do we go from A to B to C to be better people to win people over to influence to attract a positive response? Continue. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, uh, say that again, Kelly. Share with us some more of how how we grow, how we mature, how we attract people, how do we influence, how do we make the world a better place? Okay, well, for instance, um, here's here's a great definition I learned one time, and the word was, it's the definition for persuasiveness. Persuasiveness, guiding vital truths around another person's mental roadblocks. See, normally we look at the word persuasive as manipulative and, you know, and corrupt, um, subversive, and, but, but if I look at the word persuasive and and I have a truth that I want to that I want someone else to uh, you know fall into symbionts with and but they diabolically oppose everything that I think or do and so how do I how do I how do I influence how do I uh, how do I do that and I don't think it's I don't think I do that by by telling them that my way or the highway and I take on the Sparky Anderson attitude or uh, or do I do I take the core values of what I believe and I exercise those for in, in everybody I meet? So, for instance, you know whether I whether I'm uh, whether I'm you know talking with someone who uh, who could be a uh, an ISIS terrorist, which I you know God forbid have to you know run into people like that possibly here in in Michigan. Um, how would I influence them? knowing all the influences they have. And the only thing I can be is be me. And so 
Um, and I'm not my my appetite is not to make them. I can't instantly change them. Their life is their own choices that they make, but I can I can possibly influence their choices by the person who I am. Um, again, some of my my closest friends are uh, are Muslim, and some of my uh, uh, I, I had I had uh, some I've got some most beautiful people that that helped me with my campaign that I uh, that that are that are are from the Middle East, and and it's a matter of respect. I respect them for who they are. Now, certainly, if if they walked around, you know. Uh, threatening me and I, I i i would still do my best to be kind and that's my obligation um but at the same time um i i, I it's kind of unusual when peter wh- whacked off the ear of a roman soldier you know um it was obvious that that jesus had known he'd been carrying it for a long time and he didn't seem to seem to be offended by that so personal protection is a is another issue but so as i as i live my life and i'm not talking lifestyle evangelism i think that it's has to do with um, more like a word fitly spoken, and so when we we start exercising who we are, that are, and, and that's a matter with we, when we find out those the true values of who we are. I don't I don't think that. Um, well, I get that. I guess I take that back. There are people that are ugly in this world. There are people who have who have been raised the wrong way. So I don't know if we're going to be able to change them instantly, but certainly if we had. All of a sudden, a thousand people around them in their life that was living a pure, better life and living in truth and character and, and resolve, that eventually that uh, that negative voice is going to be so much more squelched. Positive influences around it. So, so we by identifying our core values and teaching us to live them, we do change the world around us. We change we change the world that we can affect. And I, you know, certainly. Um, positions of leadership have, have greater spheres of influence, but that doesn't mean that you always you don't have to be the you know the governor of a state in order to, to change your state. And uh, so we live the characteristics of who we are, and we we, we build relationships with people. And we like like you holding respect. You know, I had a judge tell me to my face one time, you know, Mr. Jones, I don't care I don't care what Black's Law book. That's not how we do things in my court in my courtroom. And so it's that type of arrogancy, you know, that that becomes corrupt, and I think it was uh, Sam Adams that that, uh, that everybody's posting on uh, Facebook lately. A, a quote of Sam Adams about, you know, when arrogant people, you know, uh, take on official positions, how how it decays a country from within. And so, but that arrogancy is is, is a misapplication. That condescension is a is 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 a failed is a failed individual, and so uh, they don't see themselves that way. But it becomes more obvious when you. When you know when when you start being what what you're supposed to be, so uh, well, what's, I, what's, I, what's, yeah. What what's interesting is uh, people have their ideas on how life should be run, the world should be run, everything. You know, every now and then some sob decides that he should uh, conquer the world and uh, run the world as he sees fit, like Hitler, Alexander right. the Great, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. So and blah blah blah. Okay, so um, and 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 the way that some people should rule the world is, you know, just just kill about ten, twenty, thirty million. You know, it'll make the world a better place. So it's like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Seven deadly sins. Of course, we have an eighth, which sometimes happens on Bard Logic. And by the way, the eighth is hogging <laughs> the microphone. All right. So number one is pride. 
hubris is a extreme definition of pride where it causes one to be absolutely delusional. And what is stunning is that there have been men in history who operated under hubris to which within they cannot change, but without they were. For example, Napoleon, okay? He, you know, he started conquering Europe and he goes up to Russia and he believed he could actually conquer Russia, really? And then the Russian winter set in. He was not changed from within. He was changed from without. Over 100,000 men died because of the Russian winter cold frostbite starvation. He had to be changed from without. And the pain of seeing all these men die, and finally he just, you know, hauled back to France, and that was, it was, it was, oh gosh, it was like 10, 20% of the army survived that campaign. But some people are chronically subjugated by hubris. And so the convictions they may have, if they live under their convictions, gee, the world could be a worse place. It, it's one of these things where, like, what, what, what are people's convictions grounded in? And I like Christ's approach. Heal the sick and the blind, the lame, the deaf talk, um, and his words are just love. And he told his disciples, oh. no, put the sword away. We are going to win the world over through love. And obviously being God, he understood that people would rather follow love than hate or manipulation, and that's why he has so many followers all over the world. And obviously hubris was not a part of Christ's um, being. So when people follow convictions, the question is, what are the convictions, and will they have to be changed from within or without well, I, I think so it's simultaneously. Go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. I was going to say, and with that, uh, go ahead and answer that, and then I'm going to do a little bit of my own hubris and bring yep. Cindy in after your response. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. Well, well, you know, when I part of my, my, my platform was built on four things when I ran uh, for U.S. Senate, and that was love, life, acceptance, and forgiveness. Um, that is the purest of the story. In, in our relationship semester, we teach the fact that love is what you give and not what you get, and so it changes the income and the, it changes the inside and the outside. For instance, if love is what I give and not what I get, I've changed my attitude on the inside, and I get expected I get changed results on the outside. So, um, uh, so, so who I am affects everything around me. So when I start realizing that love is what I give and not what I get. It completely changes the definition. We've destroyed the word love and made it synonymous with lust. Um, you know, when we think of the love of God, the last thing that anybody thinks of is going around having sex with God. But now we say the term, you know, make love. And I honestly, me and my wife never use that term. We never say, hey, let's go make love. We'd much rather say, let's go have sex. It's definitely have a, has, a, has, a, has a more pure and honest approach to, to what we're going to do. But we lie behind the term, let's go make love, because you really don't make love. You you can love is what you give, and so if I give my wife all that she needs, I'm loving her, and I start with communication, and it builds to honesty and respect and compassion and passion, and that passion becomes intimacy, and that intimacy becomes ecstasy. Uh, and I think it's okay to talk about this, but me and my wife keep a top ten list, <laughs> and we say, oh yeah, man, I made it to the top ten. You know, we like and we we try to conquer that on a regular basis because it's our relationship. Because if we're constantly focusing on 
on taking the giving of love rather than the getting of love, it changes it changes everything in our household. And let's go ahead, gentlemen, and get a woman's perspective on this, and let's bring Cindy in. Uh, thank you very much, Cindy, for calling to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I am doing just fine, and uh, thank you, Jeff, for being here. We appreciate that. And Kelly, of course, thank you for being here. And I am all for a um, a Jewish show, and we're going to talk about the Jews and the history and what God's places them for today, and um, I would love to have a show like that, Kelly. So get it together, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, uh, Jeff, we're talking about, you know, what responsibility do Christians have in the political life of America and and in their own lives and in their church lives. And, you know, I have a pet peeve about Christians these days. Um, do you think? Huh? I said that's understandable. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think the Christians have used the so-called wall of separation of church and state as an excuse not to do their duty as a citizen, or are they just too lazy to do the work it, it takes to be vigilant and be a part of what happens in D.C.? Do they honestly? believe their only duty is to serve God by ministry and study and testifying and teaching and preaching. I hear them. I hear them say that all the time. The founders gave us a system where people were supposed to monitor the people, you know, we're supposed to monitor government. They're supposed to pay attention to what those jaybirds are doing once they vote for them. Not supposed to vote for someone just because we recognize their name. It's our responsibility to vet and know who they are, what their moral <laughs> values are. Bless you. What the, are they no, honest? I said, yeah, I said Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that's beyond, you know, that's so obvious it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, but, you know, we're supposed to know. Are these people honest? Have they governed according to the promises they made during their campaign speeches? Or did they flip-flop on everything? I don't think Christians even think about our Constitution and what it mandates for them to do as Americans. Um, are they just too lazy? Or do they really believe this thing about, you know, well, Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. That's not what God has us doing. What do you think, Jeff? Well, you know, well, um, first of all, I guess it's, to me it's a threefold, uh, a threefold uh, kind of question, I guess. Um, first of all, Let's just throw this into the, the 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 Jewish community for a moment, because when it was in 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 synagogue and in the structure of community, the the whole the whole the Pharisee and the Sadducees were the government. They were the they were the order. They were the uh, the structure of community. We lost that um, in part of our define, and I can't. I'm not going to go back to a specific date. But prophetically, an apostasy has taken place and will continue to take place. I do believe that the terminology of separation uh, of church and state has blinded a lot of people. Um, there are there are specific denominations that would call themselves Christian by nature, and a lot of a lot of the outside world would recognize them as Christian by nature, and they specifically teach to stay out of politics, to not vote, to not register to vote. 
And to do so, to me, is anti-American, anti-elite, because this, the whole structure of, of it, again, I'll go back to what I started this program with, the word ecclesia, called out assembly. We are the Congress, and in the United States, um, we are the fulfillment of Romans 13.1. We, the people, are the higher power, and people have lost sight of that or lost vision of it, and certainly education of the public school system and removal of prayer, and I, I, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly not offended. Um, uh, I'm not offended when um, I watched a video last week, and I forget the terminology of it, but it has to do with the, uh, like a ho- I don't want to call it a holiday, a holy day of, of recognition of the Holocaust. And an alarm goes off, traffic stops, I mean, highways completely stop, people get out of their cars, and they take a few moments to reflect upon the memory of the Holocaust. And um, we... You know we're we're afraid to pray and we're afraid to na- use the word Jesus in public or give thanks at a at a at a breakfast table or or at a at a corporate event or in our schools and certainly growing up in Dearborn, um, I you know I I kind of respect the fact that 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 I that I know people that are a lot more faithful about their beliefs at least to throw down a a carpet on the on on the uh, at their work or or on the street corner and and, and turn east. And, and, and take a moment to recognize their creator. Um, so, yeah, we've missed it, but but Paul himself was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, um, and, he, you know, he was part of the, we'll say, the government, the, consti- the constitutional makeup, uh, you know, of, of Israel. And then even because, but because he was, um, uh, he had a, a Roman citizenship, you know, it gave him the ability to rent, out a place at Caesar's palace to to speak his cause, and uh, so so and he's and, and then he, so he writes. He says, "Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit of God will give you what you need to say when the time comes." So so stand in truth. So yes, we because we don't believe what we believe, we don't take a stand for it. We we don't exercise our faith, and that's because faith is an action. Um, so yeah, we're America is filled with lazy, religious fearful, doubtful, skeptical people, and that needs to be destroyed from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's basically it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> right, <but> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what else is um, uh, it, it really concerned me, <clears throat> concerns me is that <clears throat> I'm thinking that the reason that our politicians these days are enabling the Muslim ambitions is that they want to enact laws such as the NDA that are aimed at spying on us, the people who are trying to get our country back by peaceful means. I mean, but they're Mm -hmm. afraid of us. They think that uh, we're going to raise up arms against them. So these laws are passed to supposedly look for terrorist terrorist activity, but really... They're passed to watch us, the Patriots. Well, you know, that's you know again, like I said earlier in the show that you know I started to watch Enemy of the State, and I couldn't stand it. I was like, oh my goodness, this is this was the birth of it, and and we shut our eyes to it, and and uh, from all places Hollywood, uh, a, a a source of truth that was exposing you know the ugliness uh, of of the world that we're about to, that we're living in today, and yeah, um, you know. When and I don't know I don't know 
uh, I guess, you know, certainly um, uh, the the weakness of leadership and the weakness of self-destructive Christians that, you know, again, extremism in any group is ugly, whether it's, whether it's the, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, ISIS or KKK or whatever label they try to put on themselves. And, and it's the extremism that, that destroys the truth sometimes. And so again, if we, we wouldn't have to resort to that. I'm, I'm, I'm all for war if we have to, and I'm all for, I'm all for self-defense. You know, someone, uh, you know, someone wants to, to put their foot in my front door and try to talk to me some more. That's a good way to get a broken foot or lose a toe. But anyways, um, you know, we need, it, it is about us taking a stand in a belief rather than a phony action because, yeah, I went to church for 45 minutes on, you know, on Sunday or Saturday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or I sang a song or I wrote a check. It's about living what we believe, and that's what the kingdom within is all about, is trying to educate people to start living what they believe or practicing what they believe and... um you know, uh, for all for all of you know for you know you know for for the things of religion that are supposed to be peaceful, most people miss it because of the most people aren't living what they believe and they they become selfish and they they live in their flesh they live in they live in the the outside influence rather than being the influence from the inside out. Yeah. So let's go ahead and. Uh, Cindy, get uh, another take on that, and now I want to bring him into uh, the show, and that, I believe, is our friend uh, Joe on 917. Is that you? Hello, Hello, Joe. Hi. Okay. How's it going? Uh, Thank you very much, Joe, for coming to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Joe. Oh, hi, Cindy. How are you? Good. How about you? Great to hear from you. Um, Greetings, Joe. Uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry, Joe. No, what? no, that's okay. No. I wanted to um, ask Jeff uh, a, a question. Uh, and Bring first of all, Jeff, um, uh, I want to commend you for what you're doing, and I'll tell you why. In this day and age, when someone is uh, outspoken or when someone is firmly defending their true belief, whether it's faith in religion or it's uh, faith in, in politics or whatever faith or values they have, uh, the hardest thing to do is to defend your, your values and your faith because there will always be other people who will try to uh, criticize your faith and your belief and try to uh, refute it or try to negate it. And uh, I believe from a spiritual standpoint that uh, you and your heart believe that what you are, what what you believe the role should be of Christians is how you view it. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is I believe that each and every Christian has a different way of viewing what uh, the role of Christianity or Christian should be. So I honestly don't think there's any right or wrong answer to that. And so um, 
I commend you for not being afraid to express your uh, beliefs, even though you know that you're going to receive a lot of criticism from others. And not being afraid to express that in your platform and promote what you believe in. And I think that's what this country needs. This country needs people who are not going to fear speak about their beliefs or people who are not going to fear to stand up for their beliefs. And I think that is the problem with our politicians. That's a powerful statement, Joe. Boy, that is is so on spot right there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And um, that's what I think is the problem with our politicians today. Uh, You know, we elect them to uh, carry out uh, the will of the American people, and then they get to Congress or they get to the Senate, and uh, they they pursue their own personal agendas. And they're afraid to uh, speak out or do the do uh, represent their constituents uh properly and um i think that is a fundamental problem uh in politics and uh i think um in order for that to change i think people have to become more knowledgeable when they're going to the ballot box to vote because ultimately it's the american people who are making the decision to put these politicians in power. And uh, so I think that it's very healthy uh, in political discourse for you to actually promote this platform because this is what you truly believe. And I don't think that should be um, criticized in my opinion. And um, I honestly believe that you and your heart believe that this is, what you feel is right and you carry it out based on your convictions. And, um, that's, that's very admirable as for, uh, Christians in, in whole, um, I think Christians are stereotyped, uh, very commonly. Um, you know, for instance, um, a lot of people believe that, um, Christians are too social on issues or some Christians don't want to get engage in politics or whether they do want to engage in politics. And my stance on that is uh, why does it have to come down to um, posing the fundamental question do Christians want to um, talk about politics or do they not or what is a Christian's role? And I honestly think that's subject to interpretation. Um, I I don't think, um, I think there are a lot of positive things Christians can achieve. Uh, But um, as to what are their roles and their duties, uh, I think that has to do with the personal relation, that relationship that we each have with God. And I think that's different for each individual. I don't think there's just one mandate that uh, every Christian is supposed to follow. I believe that God speaks to us uh, in our in our heart and in our prayers. And I believe that we each have an individual relationship with God. And I believe that with that relationship, uh, we carry out our faith and we carry out the duties we believe that God has uh, 
the path that God has chosen for us. Well, you know, the reason I brought that up, uh, Joe, uh, was because, you know, the Christians are a very large demographic here in the United States, and they could really make a difference in getting us back on track to respecting our Constitution and knowing our Constitution and keeping our politicians uh, in line with the Constitution. And uh, I just feel like uh, we're out here working so hard to try to get America back, and they are the people, the Christians are the people, and by the way, I am one of them, okay? Christians are the people who would benefit the most from us sticking to the Constitution, and yet they they are so uh, apathetic towards um, towards any kind of work to 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 do that, that it's almost like um, they don't care that they're about to lose their rights to uh, testify to someone, to spread the word of the gospel, to you know uh, talk about the Bible in public, and um, you know now we can't pray in school, we can't have a Bible in school. All of that stuff came about because Christians were fast asleep while it was all happening. And um, we could go back to where we were and, and our freedom of religion um, if, if that large demographic group would come to life and join the fight with us. Um, and then it's not just getting it back, it's staying vigilant and keeping that because there's always going to be somebody who wants to take those rights away from us. There's always going to be a power-hungry group of people at the very top who want to control us and reap all the benefits of controlling us and uh, being in control of finances and, and, and all of that stuff. So that's the only reason I bring them up because... They are a large group that could help us. And Actually, they Cindy, don't you do bring up a valid to point. You do. And they you don't do bring the want to. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, no, before I, we continue on, folks, I'm gonna, uh, we are going to hear from, the briefly, the Patriot Journalist Network. And then we're going to bring in Dan, and then uh, we'll continue on with our conversation. But first, before we hear from the Patriot Journalist Network, Due to some other folks on the line, if you'd like to chime in uh, tonight, uh, just push the one on your number dial, and that will get you into the show. And uh, for those out there who w- would like to uh, listen in or to chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And just to let you know that the live portion of the show, for those out there listening who are new, uh, ends in about uh, 31 minutes. And what that means is that your audio will unfortunately uh, be cut off. You'll not be able to listen to the remainder of the show. However, you will be able to listen to the extended period uh, and the podcast, which will also be uh, recorded with the live portion of the show. Uh, But if you don't want to miss uh, or be a part of the uh, extended period, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And then once you're in, if you'd like to chime in, uh, like some of the folks I see here uh, on the line, if you'd like to chime in, push the one on your number dial. Uh, but first, uh, for bringing in Dan, uh, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journals Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile 
has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. We just want folks to check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. If you are a Twitter user, uh, the hashtag PJNet. And uh, so let's, uh, without any further ado, now we're at the uh, bottom of uh, the second hour, is bringing in our panelist, Dan. Thank you very much, Dan, uh, for calling to the show. I know you've been busy. Uh, thank you for calling in. How you been? What you been up to? Uh, there's no good as usual, Robert. <laughs> oh, please. Come on. Okay. Not to our No, I, I, things have become a lot more clear to me lately uh, in just my own life. So I've had a lot of, uh, <laughs> not revelations, just things that I had already thought, but um, they just make sense. And uh, so I, I'm, I was already committed, and now that I've gotten a little more clear, I find that I'm able to get uh, stuff done that I, I never thought I could do. And That's great. That's I have more. Well, I don't like that word. I, I don't yeah, like I know. Empower, the don't word like at it. all uh, because it implies uh, that I need power from somebody or that uh, it's taking away from someone else. It's, it's kind of a progressive term. I like. Um, I feel free. I feel yeah. like I am free, and uh, I'll be damned yeah. if anyone's going to take that from me or anybody else around me. Anyway, listen, I've been taking some notes here in this uh, time I've been listening. And first of all, as far as the Jewish hour goes, I'm not going to be the guy to go to for answers on anything religious. I'm not a holy fellow. I'm not an observant Jew. or I, I mean, I'm aware of a lot of stuff, but I'm not somebody who I think can speak with any sort of expertise or um, authority on anybody's religion. Uh, on the other hand, I'm more than happy to speak on philosophy and the uh, the ideas underlying religion. Uh, let's start with a moral people. We talked about integrity of leaders, but doesn't that depend on the integrity of followers? Uh, we get what we deserve. It does say in the Bible, and, and it's pretty clear yeah. in uh, history, even if you're just an agnostic or an atheist, that uh, God or perhaps ourselves, uh, we, we are punished with the leaders we deserve when we act like selfish self-interested uh, jerks, basically. But we get rewarded with great leaders, too. And it's up to us on an individual basis. Before I mention some of the other points that uh, I've taken notes on here um, in specific, I, I sent a link to uh, to you, Jeff, on a fellow named Sam Rohrer, an yes. author guy. He's a friend of mine here in Pennsylvania. Sam was a preacher. He was a preacher, and he is a preacher now. Uh, for a brief period, about four years, he was a politician. I thought he did okay, but he wasn't a very good politician. And he realized this. He said this himself. He says, I really wasn't that good. There was an awful lot of hope for him. We ran him for governor. Uh, he, was, uh, he did get elected as a, uh, a representative a couple times. and a really decent guy. Well, he went back to his roots preaching. Everybody has different gifts. And for some, the political arena may be perfect. And for others, perhaps not. I mean, if you look at people like uh, Winston Churchill, 
I could not see Winston Churchill as a minister of any kind. He just really wasn't cut out for that sort of of uh, deep and abiding um, care for other individuals. He was a more reckless individual and uh, very bold, but he did an awful lot of good for good. Um, so I, I just would ask anybody out there, if they're looking for their role in life, politics is not the only way. There are people that are needed in every possible realm. Um, and you may be a leader or you may simply be uh, somebody who is facilitating leaders, which is what leaders must have if they're going to be effective in any way whatsoever. But whatever you're doing, it could be running a radio show. It could be writing. It could be organizing things. One of my weaknesses, which I rely on other people who are great at it to do that, because I would spend a week to do a half-assed job that they could do in a day. So why should I do that? That's not what, what my gift is. I'm still trying to figure out what those are. I guess that of all the gifts that God has given me, it's to be, um, it's people, people who care about the decent things that are uh, underlying what, what really matters. I, I don't respect Christians or uh, I don't respect Jews. I don't respect um, Muslims uh, who, do, for their worship, I don't care if they pray or if they wear special clothing or if they talk it up a lot. I do respect them for their actions, if their actions are uh, compassionate and actively compassionate, not just, hey, I feel your pain, but uh, here, I'm, I'm going to give you something to get warm. I'm going to give you some food. I'm going to help you to understand something that you need to know. I'm going to teach you. Uh, Christ was, by all accounts, whether you worship his, his deity or you don't, uh, an amazing moral teacher, best ever, best ever. And for those people who actually live that life uh, and, and that he preached, you know, the, the values, the, the principles of Christ, um, utmost respect, and those people do change the world. And sometimes they do it in the religious arena. Uh, which is also perfectly acceptable. Now, we talked about, um, let's see here, legal and judicial destruction of the Constitution. The Constitution is fine, by the way. It is absolutely, it is not changed at all, except for the amendments. Right. There is nothing wrong with the piece of paper. I support the Constitution. I have a problem with a couple of the later amendments, direct election of senators, income tax, and not much else. Um, the original plus the Ten Amendments, maybe going up to as far as 14, I don't have any problem with whatsoever. The document right. has not been destroyed or damaged, but we aren't yeah. following it. Okay? We aren't following our Constitution here in the state of Pennsylvania. I'll venture to say whatever state you're in, if you read the Constitution, you are not following your own laws. So it's really up to us to make certain that we do. Now, if we were following them and they didn't work, I think the, uh, the I hear all this, especially among uh, libertarians, who, I again, I like them too, but uh, and maybe I am sort of libertarian, um, but criticizing the document. No, there's nothing wrong with the ideas in the document. There's nothing wrong with Absolutely. the papers Absolutely, you're right. Itself. It is, it is now, uh, part of the problem with lawyers is... For most of them, except for a few, and I do know some awfully good ones, and I don't just mean good at what they do, but just good people, 
um, they're not taught in school the way they used to be taught in school. They're not taught constitutional law. That used to be the basis of all law school. Everything was taught in terms of its relationship to the basic law of the land. They are taught case law. Case law is a judge has an opinion. The opinion is upheld or never challenged. That is now case law. You can base a new opinion on what this guy said before, as if the fact that somebody did something once makes it okay forever. Um, if that were true, the Dred Scott decision would still be in effect in this country, which right. is, uh, any number of other things. Um, sure. Faith is an action, as you were saying. Um, talk is talk, but prayers have to have feet, which means we have to get mobilized, folks. We have to get off our <laughs> behinds and start doing stuff, regardless of whether you think it's, it's politics. It doesn't have to be politics. Pick an issue. Pick something right. out there. There's plenty of Leadership. It. Causes. I'll yeah. tell you what, uh, you know, Bob wanted me to comment on uh, unemployment. I'll touch on that briefly. But uh, in my opinion, the biggest sin, the biggest crime, shall we say, if you're not religious, is abortion, which is the unwarranted, non judicial, without due process, murder of innocence. And 57 million is an awfully big stain on our hands as a nation. Um, but the most important fight, in my opinion, is the Second Amendment. I'll be speaking at a number of rallies over the next couple of months that are getting big uh, on that topic because right now it's looking really, really bad. All those regimes throughout history, and forget the, the modern 20th century isms, okay? Uh, forget whether they're religious-based or not. If you boil everything down to what were they trying to do? These dictators, these these mullahs, these uh, Napoleons, these uh, the kings. What they want to do is concentrate all power in their own hands. They and hubris, by the way, is um, from the ancient Greek, and it is unwarranted over uh, confidence. But it's more than that. In the ancient Greek, it meant to shame or humiliate a victim for pleasure of the abuser, basically a rapist. A rapist, okay? Uh, Euripides, and, and I know Longfellow, don't argue with anybody, I know Longfellow used it in his play, The Mask of Pandora. A Prometheus spoke something similar, but it was Euripides who said, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. So people say, what are these people in the office, crazy? Well, yeah, maybe. And this is what happens when you have somebody with ultimate power. Think about yourself, folks, any one of you. Now, you have some power in your life, and I'd like to see you have all power over your life, just your life, where you intersect with somebody else. That's where I think there needs to be a line, and if you're not willing to respect that line, I think that's where government steps in because, let's face it, if uh, we had total anarchy in this country, at least for a while, unless somebody had a high-powered rifle, I'd be fine. I'm big, I'm bad, and I'm mean as hell, and I'm, I mean, I'm a nice guy, but I can be the other way too. So that's fine. What about the meek person? What about the person who isn't set up to be a warrior? What about the person who gets scared or hasn't got the physical strength or the speed or the, the, just the meanness to deal with that? That's what government's for. So that, that when that meek person gets so victimized and violated, somebody's there representing the rest of us to say, hold on, you can't do this. I have evidence. I'm going to have you charged. You'll get a due process. You'll get a chance to speak in court and present evidence or not speak. We have the burden of proof. But if you're found guilty, we're taking you away from society as punishment. 
not rehabilitation. There's no such thing. I don't believe in it. People can rehabilitate themselves from within. That I believe in. They can be redeemed. I believe in that. I, I know that. I've been redeemed I, to some extent. So is everybody I, I know who was bad once and isn't doing that now. But this idea of a corrections system is, is bullshit. It's punishment. And more than that, it's protection for the rest of us. You've committed X crime. Now, assuming that there was real justice in the justice system, then if your crime was of X nature, you'd get X punishment straight across the board, and that's what we have decided as a society is your punishment that for a period of your limited life term that you're going to be on this earth, you're, you get to be in an 8 by 10 and eat crap off, off a steel plate and uh, not participate with the rest of us, and it protects us Animalistic. for a while. Now, uh, as far as unemployment, now, numbers, I don't know, numbers. Mark Twain, famous quote about numbers, uh, he said there were lies, damn lies, and then there were statistics. But the CEO of the Gallup Corporation, that's the Gallup poll people, he came out just this Monday and reminded us that the unemployment numbers are complete and utter lies. I posted that, by the way, in the unemployment office where I work. Nobody was surprised. We're all like, yeah, that's we knew that. But it was nice because it explained how. And there was another article that just came out on Friday. Apparently the Congress was unaware. It's amazing how little they're aware. Almost as bad as Obama. <laughs> Maybe they saw it on the news. But they were unaware that Obama had exceeded his legal authority in writing work permits for no. illegal aliens. 18 million of them. 18 million work permits. You know, there's a similar number, 24 million. Since 2009, when he started doing this, 24 million youngsters have come into the workforce who were born here, who are Americans, who have American parents, and most of the jobs that they would be able to take aren't there. And let's not forget all the uh, guys and gals in their 50s and 60s who want to keep working, who perhaps need to keep working, uh, who are being replaced. Mm -hmm. And they're not being replaced by someone younger. They're being replaced by someone cheaper, someone who isn't even a citizen. So right. I don't know. I could keep going on this stuff. but uh, Yeah, that's corruption. That's corruption. Basically, look, it, you know, if we don't want the violence that will come, if we don't stop this evilness, the, that uh, this, this course of concentrating power that every government in history has gone that's gone down it has ended up with millions dead every single one no matter not just the 20th century it's it's without fail um we don't stop that within the next couple of years when we had a goal line stand in uh hold on i gotta take a drink here ah that's better had a goal line stand <laughs> in 2014 2015 and 2016 we've got to redouble our efforts if we don't there'll be violence and it's going to be really, really nasty. They won't just be rounding people up. There's going to be fighting because a lot of us won't be rounded up. And, you know, half my friends are active-duty military veterans who saw real service in war and know what the hell they're doing with that. Um, I don't want to see that happen. So our choice is to go out there and wake and inspire people. Now, if you can do that through politics, that's great. If you can do that through religion, that's great. If you can do that by any single issue that you can possibly get somebody to start moving from their 
their thoughtless position of just parroting what they hear in the press, that's the best. Okay, it doesn't matter what it is. Pick an issue. In fact, you know what? Pick the most, uh, the easiest issue possible. I doubt if you'll be able to find more than one out of ten people in any group, even in cities, even among liberals, who think that the NSA spying on us is a good idea. Pick. Um, well, I mean, it, it seems to work across all boundaries. But if you don't start getting started, folks, then you're going to get what you deserve. And damn it, the reason I'm working so hard is not because I have any interest in a public life. I don't like it. I think it's a pain in the ass. I prefer my privacy. I have always liked my privacy. I want to be left alone to enjoy my friends, my family, my pets, my little world, just like you do. But it's being threatened. My world's being threatened. My kid, who doesn't even have, hasn't even had a chance to really explore the world yet, her world is being threatened. So are all these other kids and all these people out there who are perhaps less experienced, less tough, um, less endowed with, with gifts for the public arena than I was. Okay, So I've decided I have no choice. If I want to preserve any of this stuff for myself or anybody else, I have to be willing to risk all of this stuff right now and more in the future. If you, if you let... Uh, oh, well, let me just wrap it yeah, up. Go if ahead, Dan, and then we'll have uh, Jeff uh, respond. If you let the people who brought you here, who made this country great, who brought freedom and liberty to the world, if you let them down, if you let it slip away, you're going to deserve what you get. And it's not going to be pretty. Okay? This ugliness and weakness in the world, the weakness of groups... This, it was always thus. This is nothing new. The way this country is headed, that's where it's headed to where the world has been most of human history. Nasty, brutish, and short existence. Liberty has been vanishingly rare, as have been times of righteous people. We have been a righteous pe- per, uh, people. We're, we're, we're filled with decency. But it's going to take more than just a feeling in your heart. Get out there and do something. Feed the homeless. Clean something up. I don't care what it is. But if you don't start getting involved in inspiring other people to join you, you might as well just put a gun to your own head and pull the trigger. And Jeff, uh, we'll go ahead and get a uh, response from you and then bring Joe back into uh, uh, the discussion. And then we'll bring it back to you, Kelly, and then Cindy. Go ahead, uh, Jeff. Well, I, I, I've been waiting to comment on something, a couple things Joe Joe had mentioned, and then I'll I'll, I'll run oh, through sure, this really, really fast. Um, uh, and I appreciate the compliments that uh, that Joe gave to the occasion. Uh, he he mentioned a couple things about fear, and, and fear is the absence of faith. And all I did was take ownership of my faith, and the, and Dan kind of bridge that with the fact that you know this is not about me making everybody think like me. It is about you becoming the individual you can be, whether it's the best parent you can be, the best spouse you can be. This is what 1721 or the Kingdom Within program is all about. It's about maximizing who you are so that you can affect that small circle, that small sphere of influence that you are, whether you work or you don't work or you're at home or you uh, or you're involved in community, or you're not, or you you go to a PTA meeting. It's it's the basis of who you are. And so when we teach people to take ownership of that, it creates the power of individualism 
not this, you know, because I'm, you know, I am Joe Authority, I can overrule you and manipulate you. That's exactly what the program destroys or tries to get you to realize that it's not. And if you show those attributes, you'll never you'll never move forward with the program because part of the part of the program makes you, uh, in order to to kind of graduate through the system or to move advance into the program to make uh, uh, different income levels, you've got to dedicate 24 weeks to community service, and that whether whatever that is, whether it's you know working with the you know feeding the homeless or or being involved in a you know uh, in uh, some association with community, whatever the case that is, it's our it's training individuals to be able to unite for a common good, and that's what government's all about. That's what ecclesia is all about. That is what you know. That is what the ministry was supposed to be, and in that we got to destroy um, the, uh, the 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 breakdowns of of titles and denominationalism. And that's why, uh, which we probably don't have time to talk to right now about, because I'll, I'll, I'll shut off at, at, at midnight. But uh, I bought the radio station so that I could, so I could help promote 31 flavors. I want to be the Baskin Robbins of, of Christianity in regards to music and emphasis and thought and, and freedom. And uh, so all that kind of builds together. But you know, again, I believe if you look at the eight semester program overall, and someone was to walk through it and then to find out that their education could be free or they could be making money or they could be making a very lot of money and not change anything they're doing, but we're enhancing who they are and what they do, it's the perfect program. And I, and I want to try to get, bring that back on track to the target of what this is. This is about you expressing who you can be. You don't have to be me. You can be exactly who you are. Um, and let us show you how to live that on a daily basis, who you are, not who I need you to be. Uh, and... So then that becomes that you know that destroys this you know the the, the tuberous attitude the tuberous thought the uh, and it and it and it and it it makes the atheist and the agnostic and and uh, and the Jew and the Muslim and the Hindu all capable of letting them be all the best that they can be not the worst that they can not the ugly that that uh, that scars and and poor choices and and wrong influences have made them to be. But the truth and purity of who they can be, and that's what the kingdom within, you know, is all about. And yes, we do have a great constitution. It's interpretation that's destroyed it. And so, but if we can build that kind of character, build that kind of integrity, I think that we can eventually spindle into every single area of, of society and uh, become a, a a movement for the better without bearing a label uh, that this is a. Uh, exclusively Christian ministry program or uh, it's just I found the source of resources and by the way Jesus quoted the Old Testament I mean Moses, David, Isaiah, Solomon you know Abraham and so forth you know over a hundred times so the the resource and the depths of resources are phenomenal enough said nicely said Okay, Joe, if there's uh, any comments uh, that you'd like to uh, bring out, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Jeff, first of all, thank you for the kind words uh, you uh, spoke about me. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I have to say what you have said um, is very inspiring, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I agree with you that... uh, um, big 
fundamental problem in Christianity uh, is tied to denominations. I, I consider myself uh, a non-denominational Christian, and uh, even though I was baptized a Catholic at a young age, uh, I don't choose any denominations because I, fi- I find it that in Christianity, uh, a lot uh, a lot of the fundamental problems that come from Christianity is most of the times uh, denominations are focusing all of their uh, attention and efforts in denominational wars. One denomination attacking another denomination and another denomination attacking another denomination instead of focusing on uh, Christianity and their faith in Christ and getting the message out. And uh, that is uh, one of the biggest problems I think um, exists in the faith of Christianity. Uh, And also I wanted to address uh, a a few valid points that Cindy brought up. And uh, Cindy, um, I I do understand now where you're coming from uh, based on your previous comments. uh, And you did make valid comments uh, pertaining to uh, if more Christians were on board, uh, yeah. a lot more could be achieved. And and I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of religious hypocrisy. And I think is a, a great deal of religious hypocrisy that is eroding the fabric and the foundation of what Christianity was truly meant to be and what it should be. And uh, it's very easy for a lot of Christians to cherry pick uh, what they want to take out of the Bible so that they can use that as a defense mechanism to say, well, uh, this verse, uh, for example, says that, um, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So this justifies, you know, my point. And um, so, yeah, those are probably the biggest two um, fundamental problems that I'm very frustrated about when it comes to Christianity is the religious hypocrisy and the denominational wars that are uh, not necessary. And basically, denominations are asking you to choose a side. And for me, I only see one side, and that's faith and devotion to God and nothing else and nothing more. I I don't understand the mentality of when Catholics say, well, if you're not a Catholic, well, then, uh, you know, you're not a true Christian because... uh, you know, being a Catholic is the only way to uh, be a true Christian. Or if you're not a born-again Christian, then you're not a true Christian. And so, um, yeah, those are the two um, big areas in Christianity that I think if it's, if if there are not significant changes or if the majority of the people don't choose to change uh, course, well, then I'm afraid uh, many Christians are going to find themselves in the same predicament that they are in today. Thank you, Joe. Well, it's that, Joe. You're welcome. Should I make a comment? So Kelly, if uh, you've got... Go ahead, Kelly. This, this was Jeff. I wasn't sure if I could make a comment. Oh, hi, Jeff. Oh, I thought I heard Kelly. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Kelly, or go ahead, Joe. Well, Jeff, you mentioned something about having to go at midnight. I don't know what uh, how much more time you'll be able to. to give us, so uh, go ahead. I'll hang out a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, 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 I like what Joe said. Um, 
but I, I I try to refer myself as denominationally unaffiliated rather than non-denominational. It's become a denomination itself. And I like the term God-dependent patriot um, and submitting the truth. But just thinking about everything that you know that people think about Christianity, religion, and so forth, um, you know, <laughs> me and my wife talk about this all the time. You know, I I think we're going to be really shocked at who is our neighbor in heaven. And uh, just think, you, what if you can't sell your house forever and you're stuck with me right next door? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> you can't move. Go ahead, you can't, you're stuck forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, just having fun. Like no, that's, that's cool. Well, it is uh, close to uh, Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, which starts in about uh, three minutes, and we we do uh, last it up a little bit more uh, during that time. <laughs> so, uh, prime time, so to speak, uh, here on yeah, Bard's Logic. I'll uh, talk. Go ahead. I just said I'll stay on for any questions, and uh, you know, again, uh, okay. I think when people find find the define of the eight semesters and how it works and how people can uh, be rewarded for their growth and, and their ability to mentor people. I think uh, uh, it's it's all good. But, but again, that probably is my opinion. Okay, and I'm actually uh, going to look at the website now. You know, it says the, pro- the process, and then um, oh, there was one where it actually had things listed out um, with how the the program went. I'm trying to find that here on the website. Perhaps you can... Oh, here it is. It's called the Hub on the website where it says uh, Week 1 Empowerment and then it says uh, Section 2 Short Story. I mean, explain though what the different weeks are. It's got 24 weeks uh, where it says The Christian Reality, Discovering Your Truth, Goal Achievement, Overcoming Obstacles, Communication, Outreach Center, Shopping Center. Well, that's on the website. Cool. The center's probably good materials, but uh, tell me about the different sections here uh, that we have here on your website under the uh, the hub. Yeah, what 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 the what the whole idea is that, that we created a 24 week semester, and the whole program is designed that you never work with more than 12 people. So, I will tell you this, and it's probably too late. Hopefully, it's not too late to say this, but um, anybody who's on your show, um, if they send me a, a personal message, I will give them a a free semester in the program, uh, so they could try it out and see what it see what it does for them, and uh, as a as as a gift for me, and but basically, we designed the program an hour and a half of of kind of collective communication, thought, expression, and then a daily assignment, and that daily assignment changes over the twenty four week course, and again, you learn to identify those nouns, you learn to identify your core belief systems. And then you learn how to express those core belief systems and implement those in the desires that God's already given you, uh, which, you know, again, I think a lot of people have been mistaught uh, very simple truths, and it's just about a matter of taking the time. I think Kelly brought it out. You know, it, some of the things some of the things that, uh, that Jesus had said, um, they get so misinterpreted. If you slow down and actually read the question, some of them are absolutely hysterical. And some of them are absolutely so beautiful, and and most people hear something completely different than what's actually asked. 
So we just expose that truth, and and we take it into into a group, and then we build upon that uh, semester by semester, and eventually, eventually we take you from a concept to production, whether that's a ministry, whether that's a a political position, whether it's a book, whether it's maybe just uh, maybe it's a painting. I don't know. Uh, something, an obstacle that you felt in your life, we're going to help you accomplish it. And we do it collectively together. And then we re- then we reward you for mentoring the process. And when you mentor the process, is how it becomes an income stream rather than, uh, it becomes an asset uh, rather than any sort of liability whatsoever. Enough said. Okay, and uh, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, Kelly, I didn't uh, mean to cut you off. You go ahead, and then I think uh, Dan may have to um, make it an earlier uh, night this evening. Uh, So go ahead, Kelly, and then we'll bring it over to you, Dan. Well, I think it's a good idea that we live our convictions, assuming our convictions are based on a solid bedrock um, that won't hurt other people, less ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that's a good idea, of course. And, you know, in reality, what I see of the people in churches is that they don't necessarily need to be told what to do. They already know what to do. They read the Bible. They've heard enough sermons. They've fallen asleep during enough sermons. Um, they need to practice what they believe, yeah. Yeah. And, by the way, I sneak into jokes. So, you know, they've heard enough sermons. They have fallen asleep in enough sermons. It's like, you know, last night I was in the homeless committee meeting. Like, we're going to have a meeting with the public, kind of update everybody what's going on. And I said, you know, uh, I sure hope when we do this, we really promote this well. You know, there's television, there's telephone, there's tele-rumor, which, by the way, tele-rumor is probably the best way to get the word out. So, um, I just joke around a lot. So, anyway, um, so there we are back to the people falling asleep in church. Okay, so we know pretty much we need to do but we don't have the power in a, in a sense. The best thing I can see is to empower people, motivate them to live their convictions. Yeah. So when they hear the motivation, when they hear that, hey, this life's not about me, and by living for others I am more fulfilled than living for myself, yes. then there's the motivation that actually brings a change, which their present behavior can actually match their ideals. But Absolutely. the key thing here is motivation. Well, the key thing is mentorship, uh, uh, Kelly. And so, you know, a lot of people write motivational things and self-help and go to seminars and there's video things, but nobody implements them um, and are, are taken on a daily basis to make sure they exercise the things that they believe. And that's what the Kingdom Within program is designed to do is get you to exercise on a daily basis with the core beliefs uh, that, move, that move you. And you'll find out you motivate yourself. You don't need that outside motivation. Where'd you go, Kelly? I'm sorry, oh, I got distracted. What? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was well, just thinking folks, about... Uh, unfortunately, we... Real, real quick, Cindy. Unfortunately, it's like uh, we lost uh, Dan's call. He had to uh, go, but, uh, of course, he uh, offers his uh, farewells, and uh, he'll see us, I'm sure, next week. He's got a lot of irons in the 
uh, fire. So uh, he had to uh, bid us adieu. But uh, I thought uh, maybe we'd be able to get him uh, some uh, parting comments here. But uh, we'll uh, we'll just uh, go on. But I just want to let you guys know that uh, you know, he had to, to take off uh, without uh, any of the parting comments. So, but go ahead, Cindy. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, sorry for the interruption. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, um, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, Jeff, you were talking about earlier, you know, people just um, being that person that they need to be and they, that we could improve our communities and uh, we could minister to people and make make life better for other people and, and be the kind of person and be the kind of Christian that, God wants us to be, but I see two factors, well, there's a whole lot of factors that keep people from being who they need to be, but I see two main factors that keep people from ministering in their communities and being the Christians that God wants them to be. Um, Like, why don't they work at or contribute to a homeless shelter? Why don't they help their old neighbor pay their electric bill or make sure that poor family down the street down the road has has food. Why don't they take time to make sure politicians stay honest? Well, um, these two reasons are intertwined, finances and time. We are taxed with such a burdensome amount by our government that, first of all, women have to go to work and they're not able to raise their families. We pay someone else to do that. And guess what? That someone else is not teaching them the values that we should we should be teaching them. Men need to work more hours for less money, and then that money is stolen from them to give to the people who refuse to work or refuse to go to school and 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 get an education or refuse their free education in high school, and so now they can't work. So there's no money to give. We're living paycheck to paycheck. They've allowed themselves to be lured into a way of life that's way beyond their means. So they're in debt up to their forehead. In fact, they're underwater. And secondly, they're so busy with work and kids and activities and all the things. Our lives are just so much more complicated now than they were 100 years ago. Um, And so people have misplaced their priorities in a lot of cases. Uh, They have no time for volunteering for anything because of that. Um, All these distractions, I believe, are created by our government for the express purpose of distracting us from keeping track of them and what they're doing and to keep the general public in need of the government. It's to keep people uh, on welfare, to keep people on food stamps because then they're controllable. And we can track them and control them. That's what Common Core is for. We want to control that's and track That's what Agenda student. 21 is all about. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, and also, well, now we've got, you know, now we've got, you know, universal health care, which they're working on. And I don't know if that will ever get, Obamacare will ever get repealed. And now uh, Obama's talking about, well, let's take the next step, uh, universal child care. Now, what are they going to do? Start having government programs where government uh, employees are going to be, you know, babysitting for, you know, in essence, uh, the children and teaching them whatever 
uh, you know, doctrine, indoctrinations that uh, the government's going to put, put forth for that. I mean, it's, it's right. as you said, it's continually relying on the government. Go ahead. That's what illegal aliens will do. That's the, that'll be their job. They, they'll be training our children for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, but if you, if you look at the eight semester program, um, you know, we address all those things. One of the things Cindy talked about, you know, was finances and time and so forth. There's a there's a semester on what we call life targeting, and um, I teach a bunch of truths that the governments, banks, uh, uh, and insurance companies don't want you to know, and. I mean, certainly there, it's, there's there's an understand. Most people don't understand the terminology of liability and asset, and they don't understand the value of time. So we take that semester to teach uh, what you do have to create targets so that you're not living that life forever. And in those targets, it creates some hope. But the number one thing that we find out with most of our clients uh, working through the program, almost every one of them says that their life goal is to eventually have the time that they want. And um, so. Part of one of the semesters is about we call it revitalization, and it's becoming it's it's understanding how to live a long, uh, healthy uh, life with a day that becomes that you accomplish so much more than anybody else could in a normal time frame. So, so everything you talked about are issues are that we've already defined in the program, and uh, it really I really believe it's uh, uh, it's it's been a gift from God. It has nothing I, I can't I, I I can take no credit for for any of the potential brilliance that's involved with it. it was a, it's been a total God thing. Well, well it is definitely it's up to us. It's definitely up to us. It's up to us to live within our means and to not overspend and get mm-hmm. sucked into all this, all these things. I mean, we have to open our eyes and see what they're trying to do. Um, it's up to us to keep our priorities in line with God's purpose for us. Um, what does he want me to do? Does he want my kids to go uh, to dance and football practice and baseball practice and chorus practice and whatever, blah, 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 blah? Or does he want me to spend some time with my child at home and teach them real history and and uh, and and the Bible and uh, how how we're supposed to, you know, lessons that God intended when he said, train up the child in the way that they should go. Yes, yes, that, yes, yes. That's what we need to be spending our time doing that, not shuffling off to, to school, public school in the morning for six hours or seven hours, and then shuffle them off somewhere else so some coach or some dance instructor or some other person can handle them for the rest of the afternoon. And then, I, I thought that's what video games were for. I thought those were a new well, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yep, that too. That too. And we just let that happen well, too. But, there's, there, but, 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 there, but those things are expected of, uh, of the kids now. They're expected to do their homework and have their time in school and then do their extracurriculars to make them a, a more well-rounded student. And, you know, not only – uh, academically, socially, and, and just the acceptance in the school. I mean, how often now do we see that, you know, you've got to be a jock or a dancer or, you know, someone who's got the top roles and plays and things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, your your whole social structure uh, is kind of hinged on that, and your whole acceptance uh, in with your fellow students is kind of uh, based on those extracurriculars 
um, that you participate after class, I could speak for, and I, for myself, my daughter's in the Girl Scouts, and 97% of all the girls in her school are in the Girl Scouts, 97%. Yeah, you told us that last week. That's pretty awesome. I, you must, that must be that school must really have a strong, a strong propensity to pu- push the Girl Scouts or something. I don't know. That, oh, they do. I mean, they. I mean, oh yeah, that's not yeah, ninety-seven percent. It's it's a, it's a culture there at the school. Now you know my daughter goes there. You know, as I said, I mean, if 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 you're not in the Girl Scouts, you might as well be ostracized. Um, yeah. Well, see, you know, there. No, I mean, I'm. Uh, that's that's wrong. Well, I mean, I just that, that someone has to be, and and you know, it's a good thing. Girl Scouts is an awesome thing. They're going to learn some stuff that's just wonderful. And if you're participating with them, or your your their her mom or somebody's participating in it with them, and and they're together with the the scoutmaster, they're they're building a character in your child. That's a good thing. And as long as you're involved in it and you're, you know, you're watching over her uh, or or him if it's Boy Scouts um, and making sure that the people who are teaching them are not teaching exactly the opposite of what you would teach, then there's nothing wrong with those things. And I know a lot of parents who, they, they're with their children. We um, We brought our children up. In the water skiing world, we were competition water skiers, and we were with them all the time. It was an awesome family sport because you have to have somebody to drive the boat, somebody to ride in the boat and watch, and then and coach, and then the kid is back there dangling on the line. So, and and you were together like all all afternoon or all weekend while you're training, and. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it brought us closer together as a family, and we were able to instill in them our own values of sportsmanship and things like that. And so we mm-hmm. were together with them. But, well, you know, but just to yeah, let Jess. your child go off. I'll finish and then get bring over to Jess. Let's... I'm done. I'm done. Just whoever, you know, that's yeah. that's wrong. Well, I, I, well, this go ahead, Jess, and then we'll bring Joe back in. Okay. Most people ahead, have forgotten the, the over, most people have forgotten the overall objective of public education, and that was to absorb time, to create detention or or detain them from interrupting the life of industrialization, and then to breed conformity. And that was their objective. It still is their objective. It's only become more defined now. We're, we as parents are not allowed in that world, and um, uh, so. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I just think that these are all part of you know objectives that have, that have overshadowed us. And until we get involved, and we as parents take responsibility for our children, and we teach them to, to have a value system that can stand against, uh, those that are trying to force them into conformity or or, or make them feel uncomfortable because they don't, excuse me, don't fit in. So. Um, uh, this is all part of the program and all part of the expressions, and and it, it's just it's it's so integrated in, in every area of our life, and that thus the topic of what what started uh, what what brought me to the invite. And thank you for the time, thank you for the conversation, thank you for the the camaraderie, and uh, um, I appreciate uh, uh, the respect of everyone. Thank you. God bless. Well, you're very well, welcome, Jeff. That's the reason we. Yeah, we appreciate you coming. 
yeah, we appreciate you coming to the show and spending as much time uh, with us. I definitely want to uh, uh, talk more with you off air, uh, you know, in, in subsequent time to uh, to go over some more about this. Uh, and I'm definitely interested uh, in the program, and I'd I definitely like to, to touch base with you, you know, at some point uh, in the near future to talk more about it. Sure. You got my number. Worship God in Motion Radio. Wait till you hear about it, man. Okay. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, get talked about that too. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. Take care, Jeff. All we'll right. talk uh, soon. Austin, away. Good night, all. God bless. God thank bless, you, Jeff. Jeff. Good thank night, you Jeff. for coming. Take, take care. Bye bye. Now, uh, now Kelly, he, uh, you know, I just got a message from Kelly. He had to uh, vomit soon, and so perhaps uh, we won't do the full uh, extended period tonight. Uh, that's okay. That means they get to eat dinner earlier. <laughs> so, which will consist of probably tonight corn dogs and salsa, and uh, oh, <laughs> with chips and a cup, maybe oh, a beer. <laughs> that's my dinner. What's that, Joe? I am all not a bad menu at all. <laughs> so that would probably be consisting good. of 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 dinner tonight. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I eat, I eat a healthy lunch. Um, my, my, my employment does provide, uh, uh, really good, uh, healthy lunches. So my, my bad meal, I guess, is my, um, my dinner. <laughs> so, no, be that as it may, is, um, uh, one thing, and, and then I'll, I'll bring it back in, Joe, you might find it interesting because we're talking about doing, doing things, uh, with our children. Uh, you know, you, you do the, the skiing and, and something I did the other night is, um, as you, as you know, my my daughter uh, is Catholic. You know that, um, Cindy, and her, her yeah. mom's Catholic. Well, yeah. my daughter's getting ready to do uh, confirmation, and if you're familiar with Catholicism, you know what confirmation is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a meeting that the parents are supposed to go to uh, that night. Uh, I guess it was was it last night? Maybe it might even have been last night or Monday night. I think it was Monday night actually. And so, yeah, it was Monday night. And so I'm there, you know, and, and we had to, and, and the, the terminology to probably be familiar with both you guys uh, being Christians, but one of the things that they wanted them to do is to uh, talk about uh, which, this is what I thought they wanted them to do. I thought they wanted us to, uh, wanted my daughter to figure out which one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that she wanted, you know, to improve upon and just get more of or whatever, um, or, or for her to be more sought after. And so we go to the meeting, okay, and my daughter and I, we, you know, we're studying this and uh, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, so I wanted to be prepared for what she's going to, what she's going to say, which one she's going to pick, you know, why she wants this one. So we go to the meeting and it comes part for them to discuss it. And we're, we're at a table with uh, two other parents, two other kids, and then I was wrong. What they wanted us to do was, was what was the parents, which one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit they want, the parents wanted to uh, get more of. And I'm thinking, great, what am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck. Uh-huh, I'm like, yeah, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm like, what, which one? Which one am I going to say? You know, my my daughter always, you know, you know, 
when we go to these, these these things for her school and you know and these religious events and stuff, she always kind of gives me sidelong glances and stuff like that. And she's like, just pretend like well, you know, there's a, a mass that's involved with something she's doing, and you know, they go through the motions where you're, you're signing yourself and kneeling and saying, you know, praying. It's the hardest part. Is everyone around me is praying? And I'm like, okay, but um, and she'll kind of give me sidelong glances, like you know, just pretend. You know, because it's about the fitting in thing. If you think about it, you know, you know, she wants, you know, what, what don't want me, her dad to be the oddball, I guess. And so, um, so now it comes time, and I just look over at Laura, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, I, you know, um, and I just told the crowd, I said, I guess if there's anybody, I, you know, because you had to pick one, and one of them, as you guys probably know, is knowledge. And I guess, the, the, I mean, I'm like, so the other two parents, and I was last. It's just terrible. I was the last parent to do it. And, um, and so I was like, well, I guess, you know, I guess, the, I don't I just said it to be saying, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but I told them, frankly, because, I mean, I was trying to be truthful. I said, if my daughter would have to teach me about, you know, God and stuff like that. I said, it's in, because they're talking about how they're going to impart what they've grown up with and learned to her. Right. And so for me, it was the opposite. I said, well, Laura's going to have to teach me. And I guess the gift of the Holy Spirit that I guess that I said was knowledge. But I just thought, I just thought you might find that story a little, perhaps a little funny, Cindy, since you kind of know the background and perhaps even, uh, you know. Well, were they, were they talking more ironic. about the fruits? Were they talking more about the fruits of the Holy Spirit or the actual gifts, like teaching, preaching, uh, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and... such as knowledge. Yeah, such well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as knowledge. Uh, you know what? I could probably get that list. Here it is. You know what? Because I still have a a paper. At least the paper they had it on was green. No, but uh, well, honestly, <laughs> well, Robert, you know, yeah. you yeah, know, here's what I, it is. Would... It was um, yeah, there was. Wisdom, understanding, righteous judgment, courage, knowledge, reverence, and wonder and awe. Yeah. Okay. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. But, you know, right. you, you could have said, you know what you could have said, Robert? You could have said, well, rather than the gifts of the Spirit, I really prefer the fruit of the Spirit because those are things well, you use in everyday life. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, um, those against those things, there is no law. And those are the things that uh, should be first and foremost on our list of ambitions, that, that w- things that we need to conquer within ourselves and create uh, within ourselves. And, and, uh, and that's the way to follow Christ, is to bear the fruit that Christ um, gave us to bear. And um the the gifts um are a what what do you want to say? They they're a um they are a, a manifestation of in you by outward activities that God, you know, gives you special abilities at to, you know, to do. And they are wonderful for doing ministry and the, the jobs of the Christian church, okay? The things that we're supposed to be busy doing. 
they help us mm-hmm. to they they equip us for the work that we need to do. But the spirit the fruit of the spirit, those things that I just mentioned, love, joy, peace, forbearance, all that, those are mm-hmm. required for our everyday life in situations with other uh, family members, with church members, our brothers and sisters in Christ, with mm-hmm. strangers, strangers that we meet on the street, with um, acquaintances that we know, people that we work with. Those things all have to do with our daily lives and all the, re- the relationships that we have. Therefore, in my view, it makes them even more important than the gifts of the Holy Spirit as far as, you know, for for the works that we have to do. Yeah, because I think That's, what they're doing is, they're, and, and let's go ahead and bring Joe back in after this comment, is I think what they're doing is they're, they're actually setting them, not setting them up. I mean, you know what I mean. I don't mean like, that's a setup. I mean, well, what they're they're gearing them towards, maybe that's the the better way for me to put it, is to do that type of service uh, that you're yeah. talking about to be kind of sure. doing some sort of uh, of ministry, even if they're not going to be you know, you know a deacon or a priest or a nun or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, I guess they're they're gearing them up to to do some kind of. Uh, ministry, whatever that may be. So uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, Joe back in, and you can make comment on, you know, well, what, what you made, Joe. What's your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, Robert, uh, once again, you did a phenomenal job in vetting and uh, getting an, uh, an excellent guest for the show. No, uh, oh, thank you. I, you're welcome. I think Jeff uh, really, uh, really brought out... Uh, a lot of uh, good um, points and, um, you know, from his perspective. And um, it was also good to uh, kind of have a, a different um, uh, subject matter um, because um, what what I love about your show, Robert, is... Uh, Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's it's mostly political, and that's what I love about it. Uh, but uh, for for this one for this uh, occasion, it was uh, it was uh, a topic that was uh, had really nothing to do with politics. But I thought it was still good that you you brought him on because um, it really um, he really uh, had powerful arguments and. Um, powerful uh, convictions and faith in Christ and put that out and uh I'm just grateful Robert that you uh you had him on and uh it just goes to show you uh you don't always have to uh the subject doesn't always have to be politics for uh uh your show to uh remain successful and so um no it was a, a great choice great choice Robert no well, I appreciate it I agree. yeah he's uh... I, I, I appreciate it. You know, we, we, you know there's a time uh, when, you know, I did do the show. Gosh, I wish I had time to do it now, as, as you mentioned, Cindy. Uh, there was a time, Joe, when I used to do the show five nights a week and then did two rebroadcasts uh, a week. Um, but at, during that time, um, I wasn't working. And so uh, I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to sit idle while I'm looking for, uh, you know, more employment. I thought, you know, I'll just go ahead and, and focus on doing uh, – the employment and then also on the side uh, doing the show and then, you know, 
So I did it five, you know, took planning, things of that nature. So I did it uh, five nights a week, and we would usually try to dedicate one show uh, a week that was non-political, you know, that just was uh, an issue uh, that would, you know, have a wider spectrum, you know. So we tried to do that on a, on at least a weekly basis. But now I'm only doing the show once a week. Uh, we'll, uh, I like to do that every once in a while. I'm glad you did it. Well, thank you. But speaking of uh, that, uh, let's bring it just a little bit to politics because I know uh, you know you're pretty active in the political realm, and I know we're you know we're already starting to gear up for uh, 2016s, and things are kind of uh, you know coming around. It looks like Romney's decided not to uh, to run for a third time, and so of course there's others that are out there. So, so what are your thoughts on uh, I guess the, the upcoming candidates that are being at least talked about? Uh, for 2016, I mean, we know the Democrats are going to do uh, going to do Hillary. I mean, I, I pre- I'm pretty confident that she's going to be the um, the nominee for the Democrats. Uh, the Republicans, I think, it's still up in the air. Um, uh, so, what are your what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, are you asking me or Cindy? You, because I'm I'm, I'm oh. curious, Max. I know you. you you're, sure. You know, you're you're active in some way where you 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 work with uh, you know, the party politics. So I was, I was curious to see what your what your thoughts on how uh, beginning to develop for 2016, at least on the Republican side. Oh no, definitely. I'm 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 grateful you you uh, you're asking me. Uh, I think we're going to see the most diverse field um, ever in the history of the GOP. Uh, yeah. Would you agree, Cindy, with that? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to make things um, very interesting, but it's it's going to set a precedent. Uh, I think there's going to be more choices than ever. Uh, and to be honest with you, Robert, um, I do think Hillary Clinton probably will win the nomination unless there is... Uh, a dark horse in the Democratic Party. Uh, oh, oh, that's Obama so funny. Oh, oh, wait a minute now, Joe. I just can't get. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't help but mention the pun there. The dark horse that takes her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I know. I, mean, I know that was pieces on the chest set. <laughs> I know that the that dark was night. totally accidental. I, I know that was the totally accidental, but I, I I just had to bring that up. <laughs> no, I I I'm, I'm believe me, if if you were a liberal and think God you're not by now, you'd be you'd be you'd be uh, calling me a racist for saying that. Oh, so, of course, but, of course. Uh, yeah, no, but um, well, I, now I kind of see where where I now I kind of understand. Uh, why you are, you were laughing? I, I now I get it. Yes, <laughs> that could be taken out of context easily. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's true. Uh, let me rephrase that. Um, in two thousand and eight, uh, the Democrats were ready to uh, crown Hillary, and then the unexpected occurred. Uh, an unknown uh, senator from Illinois by the name of Barack Obama got into the race and did the unexpected, did the unimaginable. He beat Hillary. And Yeah, uh, yeah that so was pretty shocking. That was very shocking, exactly. And now, so now, I, now let me ask you, let me, let, let me, real quick, Joe, let me, on that subject, let me ask you this real quick. 
So I've heard uh, a lot of um, consternation from women uh, 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 during the Obama and Hillary campaign, but they were angry saying, oh, so this country's, you know, is not ready for a, a woman president yet. You think that had something to do with a, a Barack Obama getting the nomination? Was you, it, what, you think there might have been uh, a gender there that there there just wasn't the the ready for them, to, or they thought the American people weren't the Democrats thought the American people uh, weren't ready for uh, a female president. Um, some women who were really even Democrat women who were really mad. Uh, right. That Hillary uh, didn't win. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you um, my perspective on that. Uh, Hillary came very close to being Barack Obama. They were head in head. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were neck and neck. Uh, Hillary had she won the primary of Puerto Rico. Um. In primaries, uh, territories are, are allowed to vote in a, in a presidential primary, but they're not allowed to vote right. in the general election. And um, it was a close, it was a it was a brutal and, and close primary. Uh, and she only lost, um, you know, um, the the primary of uh, of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. So um, for a lot of pundits out there that say that uh, Obama uh soundingly defeated her that is that is just factually uh inaccurate uh obama was uh almost beaten uh many people uh looked uh wanted hillary because of her experience and um because of um her husband um and the clinton name and everything that was accomplished mm-hmm. uh, from the democratic perspective uh i don't think it was that a lot of people were not ready for a woman president um they were ready uh because Hillary basically practically well, I agree that's why they're so mad <laughs> exactly but that was a perception uh, yeah. right bump, oh bump, yeah bump. no no they were very mad as a matter of fact that the uh democratic uh convention in 2008 um half of the delegates didn't want to um endorse uh Barack Obama uh, the Democratic Party was deeply divided going into the uh, convention. Uh, a lot of people uh, believed that um, Hillary was the right choice for the Democratic Party. And uh, it was uh, Hillary who united the Democratic Party at the convention uh, to show solidarity. So um, not only were many women upset, just the Democratic Party overall was totally split. Um, going into the convention, and um, that uh, was uh, the first time the Democratic Party uh, was so split on a uh, going into a convention pertaining to um, uh, a nominee. And so uh, a lot of Democrats did not like the way that um, Obama ran uh, his campaign against Hillary Clinton, uh, making it a personal uh making a per, uh, personal attacks. And um, to be very honest, if I had to choose out of the lesser of the two evils, uh, Hillary would have been the best choice in 2008. You want to know yeah, why she, I, I think... I believe she still would have won. You want to know why I think ahead, they Cindy. abandoned... 
I'll tell you why I think they abandoned Hillary. I think the Democratic Party uh, was afraid because we killed Hillary Care back when she was in charge of trying to write the health care law because it was killed under her name. They didn't think they had a chance to get it resurrected as long as her name was on it. And they needed to have somebody else to come in there and, and pin the name of, of the, the health care bill on. So instead of Hillary Care, we have Obamacare. Because Hillary Care was flatly rejected, and they were afraid that it would be rejected again if it was under her name. That's why I believe they switched their alliance, their allegiance, and uh, went with Barack Obama. Right. I was still a Democrat back in 2008. Um, uh, That was the first election in my life where I couldn't bring myself to vote in a general election because I just could not bring myself to vote for someone who I knew didn't have any experience. Uh, I just, it, a lot of things didn't feel right about it. And, um, and I'm one of the, the, I'm one of the, I'm an individual who always tells people no matter what vote, you know, and choose the lesser of the two evils. But I just could not bring myself to vote for Obama. Uh, in a general election, and so I didn't vote. Um, but from a Democratic perspective, um, uh, as to Hillary and why she didn't win, um, is uh, it, it from most Democratic perspectives, it really didn't have anything to do with Hillary Care uh, whatsoever, uh, because uh, you know she almost won the nomination. She had a lot of support. Uh, I mean, they were neck and neck. Uh, people wanted Hillary. Uh, a, a large portion of the Democratic Party wanted Hillary uh, to win. But and, I think the um, leadership. I think the leadership convinced her to to let go because because of uh, health care. I think they actually convinced her. Look, Hillary, step down, step aside, let Obama take it, because. Uh, I don't think we can get health care passed. I think this was a backroom deal between them. I think it upset Hillary a lot. I think she was very angry with Barack Obama and the rest of the elite uh, elite Democrats. She hates Barack Obama. Um, And I I don't think it's so much because I I think she has other reasons for hating him, but... um, I think she's very mad at the Democrat Party because of uh, of what they did to her. I just, you know, looking at her her behavior and the things she's right. done, uh, the things she said, I think I think if she wasn't so dyed in the wool Democrat, she'd have changed parties after that. Yeah. No. No. I understand uh, your perspective. Well, uh, let's turn the table a little bit. Uh, uh, one person that's, you know, kind of creeping up there, you know, I've seen him in some interviews, and there's some, you know, verse here and there about uh, this individual running. And I want to get your, your, your take on that um, and not, you know, talk about the, the history of it all or it's follow, because it's following Obama. Uh, but uh, the name that keeps popping up is Alan West. What, what's your thoughts on uh, what, what's on the, up to him? 
I have you not heard, heard his name mentioned heard... in, in quite a while. Or, um, well, I've heard you know little whispers here and there, little you know pushes you know about uh, about Alan West. Uh, so what 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 what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, but as I said, it's whispers. It's not anything you know right. that you're you're seeing in big media or anything of that nature. Um, but I, I've heard some whispers on it. Uh, have you heard anything, uh, Joe? No, I haven't, but um, I, I don't think uh, Alan West would be a good candidate. Um, he uh, ran for Congress back in 2010 uh, as a uh, first time uh, running for elected office, and he was not uh, able to uh, be reelected in 2012. And so, um, actually, do you want to know why he was not elected? He was elected. Voter fraud took that away from him. That's that's what happened to Alan West. Voter fraud. Right. Um, and it was our own party. It was our own party's voter fraud, by the way. Right. Uh, no. Well, so I mean, to well, so far, I mean, besides the whispers of Alan West, I think uh, the the ones that come to the forefront who, um, and we may and we may disagree, <laughs> but you know, and I'm not going to mention who my favorite who I like to see run, but just to the ones who I've heard people you know tell, talking about. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm glad to see that that Romney's not going to run. I, I mean, even if Yay. Romney did run in the primaries, even well, even if he did, I I I don't think he would have won the nomination. I don't. I think uh, you know him losing uh, to Obama. I, I think that's that would stick with the electorate, and I don't think they'd get him. I don't, you know, or even the leadership for that matter, which we won't rehash that stuff at this point. Um, but I don't even think they would support him. Uh, and but the the two I'm most concerned about, and I I personally don't want to see uh, get the nomination is Jeb Bush. Now there was a time. You know, years ago, like maybe more so close to when, you know, during when he was uh, governor of Florida, I, I may have thought eh, it might have been a good idea, uh, but not not so much now. Um, but you know, Jeb, the thought of Jeb Bush or Chris Christie being the nomination, uh, being the nominee, that's that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Well, you, you, well, see, this is what happened to to Romney. They the the party, the party bosses decided to hitch, hitch their wagon to Jebby because they think Jebby's going to span the tie, span the the distance between the the moderate republic so-called moderate but they're actually progressive republicans and the conservative republicans and they think that Jeb's going to span this this distance between us um but here's the thing um yes as a Florida if you go governor, Bush against a Clinton he, he will lose in my opinion at, <laughs> yeah, well, as a as a Florida governor, he did do a good job, and and uh, at that point, I probably would have said he would he would be great presidential material. However, since then, he has come out on the side of Common Core and and general amnesty, and you cannot court the conservative side of the Republican Party and keep those things unapologetically. Uh, and, and so, well, here's the thing. Rove has once again trotted out his lying whiteboard again to hornswoggle us and otherwise swindle us out of our rightful conservative presidential candidate. Fox 
is now quoting the wise and illustrious Jebby Boy as his, uh, you know, the new improved philosophy that the GOP needs to gather in. I guess like a hen gathers her chicks, this is it. We have to have a wider range of voters. We've got to be more inclusive. So if you ask me, Rogue's little whiteboard is more like the Queen's magic mirror on the wall. Magic mirror, on, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Republican of all? Right. Why? It's the elite leadership's choice of the fairest of the who is the fairest in the land. He is the only one well, who can win it, in November. Well, and we well, so, and we've seen how that worked out the last time. But see, I don't know if that's good. And let me ask. I want to ask Joe on this. Yeah. Um, and, and then, if, unfortunately, we got to close out the show. I think we could probably get a, gotten another hour out of this conversation, but unfortunately, we have about five minutes. Um, but just on this, uh, one, Jeb Bush. Two, I don't even if he got the nomination, I don't think he would uh, be Hillary. Um, two is that I don't think that same effect that the I even dare say uh, many times the so-called conservative media, such as Fox. Um, and and those can can do can you know in the whiteboards of Karl Rove, I don't think they'll be as effective with Jeb Bush as they would with Romney, and and this is why because they were proven wrong. I mean they they touted Romney as the most uh, electable, the the one most able to beat uh, Obama, and it was proven wrong. I mean he, they were wrong. He lost, uh, and I think that them you know using that same keep- tactic. With Jeb is is it good? It's, I don't think it's going to hold as much weight as it did when as it did with Romney. What do you think on that, uh, Joe? Uh, I I I am very confident that Jeb Bush will not even get close to winning the nomination. Uh, I think that um, he's delusional. I think that when he enters <laughs> the race, he's going to learn the hard reality that people do not want anyone with the name Bush. Uh, guilt by association Uh, unfortunately they're not going to judge Jeb Bush by his record they're going to associate him uh, by his brother and his father and so that is not going to make it right so he's not going to make it far and he's going to learn the same lesson Romney did it only took him three weeks for reality to hit him and um, uh, I supported Romney in 2012 uh not because I thought he was the right candidate, uh, because I knew that we didn't have the right field to begin mm-hmm. with, is because I was desperate for anyone to beat Obama. And I mean, ABO used to be the uh, acronym, anyone but anyone Obama. But right. Obama. Yeah. And at the end right. of the day, that was my support for Romney. He was going to win the nomination, and it was going to be him over Obama. And that was the mentality that I had, and that was the mentality that many conservatives had, because we were not happy with the field to begin with. And Romney didn't motivate the base. He didn't energize the base. We knew that. Mm -mm. Uh, But those were the two choices that were in front of us. And I think so many Republicans and conservatives were so desperate, we just wanted anyone who could just get Obama out of the way. And I think when Romney failed poorly to do that, that's when the split of the Republican Party occurred. 
And that's where I said, okay, you know what? Guess what? I'm, I, I can no longer support the Republican Party. I'm done. I gave the Republican Party two years uh, of uh, my loyalty. Uh, and I, just as I abandoned the Democratic Party when it no longer, when, when, it in, when the Democratic Party evolved into darkness, I say when Obama came into power, the Democratic Party evolved into the darkness. I told myself if that ever happened to the Republican Party, that my number one allegiance would be to my country. And just like I abandoned the Democratic Party, I did the very same thing with the Republican Party in 2012. And I said, if we can't even win against the worst president in modern history, I don't even want to be labeled as a Republican. Uh, I, I, I don't even want the name. I said, you, you know. Well, see, you, and I knew, and, and I knew that, yeah, I knew that, I knew Romney was not going to be, I, I knew Romney, even from the beginning, that he would not be Obama. Uh, and you, you heard all this time, all the talk in time. Don't waste your vote. Don't waste your vote. Well, I didn't vote for either one of those two. I did vote, but I didn't. Wait. I, I didn't vote for either one of those. Um, and it's no secret I voted for Virgil Good of the uh, Constitution Party. Not because I figured if I, I'm not gonna, if I threw my vote with Romney and I knew he was gonna lose, for me that was really a wasted vote. And voting for uh, Virgil Good of the Constitution Party uh, right. was voting my conscience, and thus not a waste of my vote. Um, so I, I went that way. And Cindy, I know you had a comment you were going to do. Just let's go ahead and uh, you can do that. And then I have to uh, proceed to close things out for tonight. Uh, go ahead, Cindy. Okay. Well, um, I, I just can't believe that they don't think that. How can they not know that we have their number? Uh, how long is it going to take before the voting GOP wakes up and cultivates a brain and begins thinking for themselves? And Karl Rove is not God. And, he doesn't necessarily know the best thing for the Republican Party. Um, you know, I, I read Dick Morris's article on Scott Walker uh, today, and, and I really liked yeah, that. I, I, wish we, I wish we had time to discuss it, but uh, maybe we can do that next week. But um, I just right. want to mention this one one last thing. that I It's just this is like just something like deer in the headlights. This is like... Um, <laughs> staring at an accident while you're driving by. Bruce Jenner wants to become a woman now. <laughs> I guess that was too many years. That, that was just too many years living with the Kardashians. You know, I met him back in the... <laughs> I, met, I met him back in the 70s. This was a man who was very large. He's a huge guy. He's very manly. He had a very formidable presence. When you were standing next to Bruce Jenner, you it, it was like an aura around him, and and wasn't and he like an Olympian or something? Yeah, he was a he was the the um, decathlon champion. Uh, back yeah, in okay. The, yeah. Anyway, well, now he's nothing more than a sissy mommy's boy with no stature, <laughs> no prestige. He's making no effect on people in general except to give them something to gossip about. It's it's just amazing yeah. how how a person can fall, you know. Well, and, and going on from our previous topic, uh, maybe we'll give uh, uh, Brenner a little <laughs> more time uh, next week. It. I don't know. But speaking of another person I've heard about, 
the possibility of running in 2016 as president is Ohio's very own John Kasich, uh, which he uh, appointed uh, Cincinnati Councilwoman Amy Murray as a, a municipal representative appointed to a task force on community police relations. Okay. And that is who we will have next week is a city councilwoman, Amy Murray, and she will be on the show. Uh, We're working on it. It's not concrete yet, but I talked to her chief of staff today and uh, we're working on getting her on for uh, next Wednesday um, is is what we're looking at uh, to talk about that appointment, what it entails. And if that's something that uh, will be mimicked uh, throughout the country. So, Looking forward to that. Uh, but I do want to say uh, to everyone, uh, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's always good to hear from you. And then thank also you. Uh, to you, Cindy. You're welcome. And uh, everyone else who's still on thank the show. You. And if you're listening here, you're welcome. Uh, and if you're listening here on the archives, uh, just take the link and uh, just share it with your friends and put it out there for others can hear about uh, Jeff Jones and his uh, ministry, I guess we can call it. Um, out there, and definitely check it out at 1721.today. Oh, my gosh, I missed, I missed it. <laughs> it's 21, 1721.today. That's today. So definitely check that out. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to, to look at it uh, off air, uh, talk more about it, because I think those courses um, are, are interesting. Not so much on you know some point of it, uh, but there's four characteristics um, I, I'm really intrigued with, so I definitely want to check that out. Uh, so we will be doing that. So definitely uh, uh, check us uh, next week. Uh, we'll, we'll be on uh, the show with um, Councilwoman Murray. And so uh, everyone take care, and we will, of course, end tonight as I do every night. And that is by the song from Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. And you can also hear the interview that I had with Aubrey. One of my first uh, interviews here for the show. Uh, So you have to look deep in the archives, uh, but you can hear the interview that I had with her. And so enjoy, take care, and we will see you next week. Good night. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.